Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with... I, what episode number is this? 205? Oh, no. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to keep this going. Yeah. Hold on. 205? 205. 205 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Yep. And yes. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we are joined by a special guest. Would you kindly introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Adam. I'm from uh, the Games and Groceries Podcast, uh, where we record every single week about films and gaming news. Adam is a very nice man. Contacts me over on Patreon with his nice messages. Really awesome dude. So let's start off with the listeners getting to know you, because we don't do guests as often as we used to on the show. So when we do, it's, it's a really special thing, and it's because we, we really like what someone's doing. So would you want to go into your podcast, your name a little bit, what you're doing over there first? Yeah, so the podcast, like I said, every single Monday, around like Monday afternoons, we upload. Uh, we have three different sections where we talk about movie minutes, where we talk about the films that we saw in the past week. Uh, top three gaming news, so we just rank it three, two, one. And then finally, we have a conversational piece. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, female gamers, and so we had a conversation about that. Cool. Uh, this week, we're talking about gaming worlds. So, like, what's the importance of that? Why it should be important to uh, developers? And uh, according to the name, we wanted something that just stuck with you, that's mm -hmm. easy to remember, but also goes into adult gaming, like grown-up gamers. So what do you do as a grown-up gamer? You have to buy groceries. You have to buy games. So we just got <laughs> into games and groceries, G&G. &G. I like that. Yeah. It's yeah. funny you say that. You wanted to pick something that sticks because, um, hmm. you know, when you did first message me, like, your, your name pops. It, it really did. There was just something about it. And I don't know about you guys. You're a little bit older hmm. than me, no offense. But for me, I love grocery shopping. And mm -hmm. so, like, when I saw you embracing gaming and groceries, I was so about that. I thought that was ingenious. Yeah, because that's the thing. You, you have to buy it. And it's the life of a grown-up gamer is, like, much more different than we were, when we were teenagers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot more responsibilities that we have to do. So, but, yeah. Oh, dude, I, I've sort of slightly entered that adulthood in a strange way. I was talking to my girlfriend about it last night because I was like, I used to – really judge people who would buy games and then they wouldn't play them for like a week and a half and so right here i have team sonic racing i bought this yeah last tuesday it is now mm. the following friday this is not inserted in my ps4 yet it's really really sad part of it's my own fault because i've been playing a ton of smite so when i do mm -hmm. find the time to play a game it is that game but uh yeah man it, like once review season ends uh which is like that that hot period of february to to may and september to december um yeah. in those in between times i'm just like all right i'm gonna play whatever the hell i want and you know you make the mistake of buying a new game and i'm just like i still haven't played it yet maybe tonight will be the night that's what i always say but yeah, um, it's great to have you adam thank you so much for taking yeah, your time definitely. to join us um no, now for our standard introduction stuff ladies and gentlemen um, there has been some changes over on the Patreon. Normally I tell you to flick a buck, but first I want to make you aware of a couple of tier changes. So Patreon had reached out to me and told me, and this was despite me doing this for about two years, which I was not aware of this, but, um, they had me remove your 
chance to get into the Ham Radio podcast if you were a $3 patron and under the $5 Patreon tier, um, where I also do exclusive Patreon videos, they had me get rid of the monthly game giveaway, and their reasoning was we don't want folks buying into raffles. Now, my justification for that was I gave tangible value on every single tier aside from that, so I didn't quite understand their approach to it, and while I argued it, I also said, look, I'm not going to have you guys terminate what I've worked so hard to build, so I'm just going to remove it. But anyway, the point of this is less to promote it, and more so to off, uh, ask for feedback. So if you are a patron currently, or you're looking into it, or maybe you're just a listener who doesn't want to get involved in the Patreon, but you have a good idea for something that could slot into the $3 tier, the $5 tier. Right now, like I said, we do Patreon-exclusive videos. I do a personal podcast. I'm rebooting that in a, a new way with uh, a couple of friends of mine. That's going to be really neat. Um, I do Discord access, Patreon uh, post access, and a bunch of other stuff. So we do offer a lot of value regardless of those being removed, but... I felt I viewed those as bonuses. So if you have any other ideas, um, I'd love to hear your feedback, whether it's in the comments, a message on Patreon, a tag in the Discord, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, link to that is in the description down below along with Carrick's. But anyway, let's pass it off to Carrick. If you have any projects coming up that you want to discuss, my friend. Yeah, um, I'll be finishing up the HP Reverb, the high def uh, VR review. Probably what do we look? What are we, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Probably Tuesday. Okay. And then a couple other games, and then I did a old slash new series reboot because I used to do like previews, not previews, but like the first thirty minutes of the mm-hmm. first hour of. Impressions. So I yeah. So with the help of all the people in the Discord, we came up with a name, and we're actually just calling ACGs Unrated, I saw which it, is yeah. where yeah, and um, it's actually turned out to be insanely popular. So that. That will probably be, you know, when we're in this part where we don't know what we're reviewing and, like, there hasn't been a lot of codes going around. Yeah. Yeah, it's something on the side. So those kind of things. And then probably back to more streaming, finally, because I haven't been doing that in a while. Right on. And I I, I didn't even realize it until last night when one of the people in the Discord was like, dude, you totally (laughs) stop. It just, if you don't get on a cycle, if you are not... I, and I have you'll real go, life. Oh, and, the next day. The next day. Yeah, and I'll put it, it off or something will happen, and I'll be like, I'll get to it tomorrow, and yeah, it died out. So we'll be doing a lot more of those. But that's awesome. that's pretty much it for me. Awesome. Adam, any any projects on the horizon for you, or is it just more shopping for groceries and playing games? <laughs> uh, no, we just uh, we plan a podcast. Uh, we have a website, gamesandgroceries.com, where I try to write an article every single week. Oh, sweet. Uh, this- yeah, I, I tried to, but this week got so busy at work that I didn't get to one. Mm-hmm. But the last one I talked about was the uh, the state of E3 and just the history about it and why it's not becoming irrelevant, but it just needs to change with the times. I like that. I like that standpoint because I'm a believer that E3 will continue to live no matter what. It's just Me too. too much of Come a video game on. Super Bowl. Too much of a video yeah, game yeah. Super Bowl. And there's too much money in there. And, and, and companies use it to meet. Like those are the only times of the year they, they meet is like at E3. I feel like there's yeah. too much value that we don't see behind closed doors that happens at E3. Way too many mm. meetings go on. Anyway, with all of our introductions out of the way, let's get into a really, really busy week. Adam joined us on the ideal one, man, because it is popping off with E3 leaks. So we're going to start off with the first one, which was uh, we heard rumors of this last year. And now mm-hmm. it seems to be all but confirmed for Microsoft's E3 2019 conference. Fable 4 was outed by the streaming service Mixer. For those who are not aware, Mixer is a Microsoft streaming service. They completely own it. So therefore, they control the algorithm. They control what games are entering that database. And when, when someone went to stream Fable, there was Fable 1, 2, 3, and then 4 was listed there as well. Presumably meaning that Microsoft may have accidentally jumped the gun with getting a game ready for announcement or reveal or release. 
And so, yes, we are getting Fable 4, it seems like. This will more than likely be revealed at the E3 2019 conference. While no information connected to that, I think it's a safe assumption given the time of development, the rumors. We heard Phil Spencer also say that, yeah, this is a series we're not ready to give up on. We feel it has a lot of potential nowadays. So, Adam, we'll start off with you, man. Have you played a lot of Fable? Do you like Fable? And does Fable 4 excite you? Yeah, so I did play all the Fables back when they were released. So it's been a it's been a good while. But I just got on Game Pass, so I'm planning to replay them. So yeah, it was definitely a series I really enjoyed. But I do remember when uh, Peter I always get his last name wrong. Peter Molyneux. Yeah, you Molyneux. Got yeah, Molyneux. yeah, Molyneux, where he overpromised, and I I, de- I definitely felt that at the time. But it was it was a series I definitely enjoyed. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, but in terms of Fable Four, am I excited for it? I'm more just curious of how Playground Games is going to be handling it, so I'm just more curious than I am excited. Interesting. Carrick, mm-hmm. what about you? Where do you sit on Playground Games, developers of Forza Horizon? The only developer who's ever made me care about a racing game outside of maybe like Need for Speed on the PSP, and I think it was Burnout Impact, I want to say, just because of the crazy crashes on a PS2 game. Um, yeah, and we did the shared review. Yes, yeah, we did. Remember, I was watching that. Uh, I was really, like, I, I went to... I think I needed Forza footage for that very video, and I was like, look, I was looking up my old Forza gameplay on YouTube, and I found our video, and I started rewatching it. I was like, holy crap! Like I had yeah. my old hair, I had no facial hair, my face is a lot rounder. I was like, geez, it was in yeah, it's been a while. Um, I'm excited because I know the technology, you know, behind the, their games is pretty robust, and I've been wanting, you know, there's a couple different companies where I've liked their technology, but they haven't branched out. Mm-hmm. Horizon. I think is is one of the ones um, a really good engine, and I think for an RPG or something like that, it could work. Uh, when it comes to Fable, I was not a fan of three. Um, mm. I was definitely a fan of one, sort of a fan of two, but three had a lot of technical issues on the 360, which is the at that time the platform I was playing it on. Right. Um, but when it comes to Fable, I, I'm the same way on almost all games, so I would agree that I'm just more interested than i am excited i don't really get excited for almost any games i mean i get more and more interested and then that moment happens we actually just had this discussion on the last podcast we were talking Mm -hmm. about dragon's dogma i was not ever interested in that until the very last trailer prior to its release i get that though i feel with you and i just worked and i'm sure adam too you're you're in the thick of it so often that you're talking about point to point to point uh news updates and then like just a trailer sneaks up on you uh, yeah, that's how yeah, yeah. And we'll get into it later but that's how i felt about that stranding you know i, I could not give a Sweet. shit and then i saw yeah. this one we got a release date i was like all right i give a shit now um mm-hmm. for me with fable 4 i i care a little bit more and it's i thought one and two were really fun i even enjoyed three to an extent um probably because i was a little more tolerant on its amount of tech issues like the extremely long loading times and amount there were um, yeah. that was definitely an issue with the game, but I thought the, the concept and the ideas in that title were fun, but two is mm. definitely my personal favorite of the entire trilogy. And I think what I mentioned in my video still remains where I personally felt there's been enough time to miss this series. I feel there's been enough time for us to break away from it, um, to forget the over promises of Peter Molyneux to get a new pair of hands on the series, capable hands, it seems, uh, almost a kill zone to Horizon Zero Dawn type situation where they're completely switching to a totally different game like linear first-person shooters to big open-world third-person action RPG. And in this case, open-world racing to, I guess, a much bigger jump in what I'd imagine would be a third-person action RPG. So right. 
and it's actually apparently open world too, which is cool. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm personally excited because I think we we always look at Microsoft and we think Halo, Gears, oh, those are the big ones. They're not as popular anymore. They need to have some new life injected in them. And I think more than anything, Microsoft not only needs to create new IP, which they're clearly gearing up for with all their studio acquisitions, but yeah. they need to go back and revive some that were exclusive to their platform that have been abandoned for years and years. Maybe Fable didn't work out at the end, uh, or actually, no, it was towards the middle slash beginning of the 360 uh, genre, uh, generation, but still, regardless, maybe 3 didn't work out, but I don't think that w- it was so bad that we had to abandon it, because it really wasn't a bad game. It was just there was a lot of promises that were broken and also tech issues. I think in the end of the day, it was still a fun title, um, right. where I think 4 could inject some life into the Xbox ecosystem, especially when we account for modern Xbox, who now has Game Pass, they have the the day and date games available. I think it is through Game Pass, right? Where, yep. um, yeah, if you're paying yeah. ten bucks a month, you have those exclusives. Where the whole Xbox community is probably like, "What? I can get this instantly without spending more than ten dollars." I think that's exciting, especially if it's an open world action RPG. Usually, it's you know the what was the first open world game outside of like a Forza Horizon Four was probably Crackdown Three, and that was, eh. So, I think it's exciting for Xbox gamers to know they're getting like a mainline rpg entry published by microsoft a first party studio here and they're going to get that through game pass i think that's exciting can i just ask one thing go for it do we actually buy that it's going to be called fable 4 if it's claimed to be a reboot of the series that's interesting yeah because when i think it will be yeah like you think it's gonna be four i yeah yeah oh why is that or just like um because I don't think that the questions that you and I ask that are logical like that hit yeah. those type of people. Yeah. This is sort of what just happened yesterday with Baldur's Gate 3. We had this long discussion. Yeah. I had heard a rumor about it, and then yesterday it got all, you know, it got sort of like, yes, it's for sure happening. But the quick, quickest layer, question yeah. was, why, oh why, would we call it, why would we call it Baldur's Gate 3? And I'm like, dude, yeah. that's exactly what you would do because it, it in the name, it sort of hinges on the heritage of it and they could call it fallout for the rebirth i don't really think it matters i just don't think yeah afterbirth they whatever they decide to call it i personally just knowing microsoft unless they called it like fable infinity like halo you know they're i they love the subtitle shit and for them an easy thing is four and i do believe their backwards compatibility stuff that they keep pushing this will only pay for them to say oh you like four well guess what you can go play three and two on Game Pass. Mm. Yeah. And to me, that makes a PR. It, it's not logical as much like you and I are thinking, it value but it's to more service. of a PR. It adds value and I, yeah. a, a heritage, a past to it. Yeah. Not saying I'm right. That's just. No, no, you I got think. a good point. Um, yeah, because I was thinking it would be like a subtitle thing, like Fable, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, but the fact that it was leaked on Mixer, a Microsoft owns. Uh, streaming service and it was titled as four and i see what you mean by the backwards compatibility where people are going to be playing one two three and then once they see four like oh because it's just a continuation i can play is it safe to play in mm. a way yeah yeah no i agree yeah I, I think it's it's it makes sense when we start connecting the dots of the game pass i think i i feel that's a big part of it because let's say you are on game pass and I, I don't always like to lean the argument of what if the gamer doesn't really know or understand, um, just because yeah. I think 
that's just discrediting a person who's, who's probably can understand the difference. Um, although yeah. I will say this, and I wanted to save this story for when we got to Call of Duty, but it, yeah. it's it's perfect for right now. I have a group chat of friends who play Call of Duty that I, I played with uh, last fall. I played Black Ops 4 with, and I shared the Modern Warfare trailer. And I was like, hey, guys, like, look, new COD. I'm pretty excited. Looks good. And um, <laughs> and when I showed it, my friend Al was just like, didn't they already make this game? I'm like, what do you mean? He didn't watch the trailer yet. He just saw the name. I'm like, didn't mm-hmm. they already release Modern Warfare? And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. You know, granted, it's just one person, but I just thought it was funny. But anyway... Yeah. There is the possibility w- with that story in mind that you have Fable 1, 2, 3, and then you have Fable, we'll say, and you're like, well, which one's the first one? I think it would just be the safe assumption that you pick the one with the Xbox One logo there, like that, that would, uh, with the cover art for that. But, um, yeah, still, I guess that's one other thing maybe Microsoft considers and just says, let's just do four so it continues and it's the latest entry and people know it's the newest. Mm-hmm. And I think if they were thinking about it, we would have seen it in Mixer. True. As a name, it could have been. It, we've seen it. Target has done it. Walmart's done it. Where they say like Forza, uh, what's it called? Um, Forza sample or Fable yeah. sample, where it's just they're trying to put a spot in their database oh, for the upcoming PR that's happening this next weekend. And I think what happened with that is, if we were seeing a different naming convention, which I'm not saying we won't, but it would have made sense to see Fable NA or Fable asterisk where. Like, instead of seeing Fable 4, that's actually pretty direct. Somebody had to enter that. Yeah. You know. Good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I agree. On to the next point I I was thinking. Oh, you go first. I always hinge on. I always hinge on people being smarter than they are. But. Does that indicate to us, then, that this was on purpose, that they put it in Mixer? I, I feel thinking... like, uh, sorry, Adam, I didn't mean to cut you off. Just like when I started covering a, a lot of E3 leaks, that's kind of been my move this year. Is like I'm just going to go for all of the leaks and just mm-hmm. and just cover them all instead of just Bethesda leaks. And um, as I've covered them, I've seen more and more traction pick up on the comment of the, they clearly intentionally did this. And I feel mm-hmm. like when it comes to Ubisoft and Activision, it seems intentional, but something like Mixer... Uh, yeah. or or in the case of Avengers, which we actually will get to next, it was on an E3 site. I, I feel like those are yeah, I don't think that by one was. staff. Yeah, that, I feel like that's just someone Me didn't too. realize. Um, yep. I feel like the writing's usually on the wall when it's pretty clear it's intentional. Like Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed leaking the Viking setting way ahead of time just to get the conversation going, to get it in people's heads. So when things start picking up, you go, aha, let's go back, like a lot of rumors do. Um, I, I feel those are intentional leaks because it happens every fucking year. <laughs> it yeah. really does. Um, but yeah, what I was going to ask was what would you guys want to see in a Fable 4? I know none of us here are diehard fans. I personally love the series, but like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything about it. But is there, would you want more of the same? Would you want to see, uh, what would you want to see changed? I personally like to see maybe the combat improve. I think overall the, mm-hmm. the morality system in place though, just simple good and evil I really like that. It fit the the setting well. Um, it led to multiple endings. I, I enjoyed that personally. But would you guys like to see any changes personally? You go first. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would want anything changed in drastic sense, but definitely the artwork. Okay. I want to see changed just because um, it, it's by a new studio and it's supposed to be a reboot. I just don't want to see more of the same kind of character uh, models. Mm-hmm. But I know. Uh, 
um, I know Peter Molyneux, he's always like t- uh, saying about um, how he wants it to be the same kind of humor, the same kind of like generalities. But I, I just wanted to see it was made by a new studio more than anything else. But I agree with you with the combat that I, I wanted to see that more um, fluid, I guess you can say. That's not even the right word I'm thinking of. But I think that would fit it, though, even if that's not what you're thinking of. I think that would work because there was a jank to it almost. It's clear that yeah. it was more so about doing the action and seeing the repercussions rather than the action itself. So when you're in the action, um, it was serviceable, but it, it definitely with it being such a big focus, like there were so many segments that were killing 18 enemies at once um, that I I remember one part, and I think it was Fable 3 where you had to start like shooting cannons into the graveyard to take out these like skeletons and stuff. Like it it made combat such a central point that if they're going to keep that identity, that's fine. But I think they need to make sure there's a smooth transition. Um, Mm -hmm. And how do you guys feel that like, this is what we're seemingly getting in open world Fable game after what happened with Fable Legends? Would you like to see sort of a mixture, like there was a multiplayer mode and this open world, or do you just want them to go back all into to its single-player roots? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would definitely rather have the single-player roots. Yeah, yeah. I just figured but out. But I, I got to play, I got to play Fable Legends, so. I did not, because I was, I was so uninterested. I, maybe that, well, I got talked into it when I went to an event. Oh. I didn't know, that wasn't even for that. Um, but yeah, I would say I... Microsoft, the one thing that Sony's known for is the com- completely repetitive third-person action-adventure games, which, other than Days Gone, let's be honest, are are usually rated insanely high. Microsoft, not so much. I Fable, I think, is their chance to say, like, here's ours. And I mm-hmm. actually do think that that actually most likely will indicate we will get the same art style. Um, though I get why people wouldn't want it. I also think that there's a lot to say about that art style being very emotive and um, very almost British, almost like English in its humor. It was definitely not your very typical Americana style of, of, of RPG. So I just feel like what we're going to get is a massive isn't, game uh, that they can say is their version of Horizon Zero Dawn. Isn't, like isn't the studio that's apparently working on Fable 4 uh, from Playground. Aren't they in the UK, I believe? Um, I don't know where they're based. I'm trying I, to remember. I think they are. I think you're right. Yeah, because I remember seeing that in the story, and I never connected those dots that that, that kind of fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the art style is for. insanely tied to that. Okay, yeah. So. Oh, and uh, I would also like to see a dog return, and that's not a joke. Um, I like the pet in 3. That was probably one of the only things I really liked about 3. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was three, right? Yeah, three. I or, do no, remember two, that now you mention it. Was it two with the... Three was the sister and brother. I'm trying to remember, because this is like... And three was the dog. Thank yeah. you. Um, so I would love... I like it. I like animals in games. I like pets in games, if you can get it to be done well. And uh, um, the idea of, like, Fable 4, a man and his dog, and actually do it right with today's, you know, pathing and nav meshing and all this stuff that could be really cool i'm not saying they'll do that but i would like to see a return um to them give it one more try there's something i like about that companionship i don't always like a third person game where it's just me all by myself all the time that can be very solitary feeling you know Mm -hmm. after after a while i'm like uh but when you have like an animal with you it also is dynamic if the animal gets in trouble you have to save it if you're Mm -hmm. hurt it can come save you i dig that kind of stuff um more so than like two people or like a person in their secondary person. 
I, I sort of like an animal. That would just be me if I if I had my druthers. I'm just thinking because it seems like because it's been so long and they're going to continue the series with the technology and the ideas in place, it could be so it could be so good, right? Like oh, yeah. the open world. If they let you create your own character, they really go in on more of the RPG mechanics. Just more, maybe like dialogue choices. Maybe I'm thinking a little too hardcore RPG on that aspect. But I think that would really build off of where the series was sort of heading. Because, like I said, a lot yep. of it was about action, reaction in an almost comical manner. And sort of having the freedom to marry who you want, date who you want, give flowers to whoever, give gifts, complete quests, uh, get fun collectibles. I, there was just a sense of freedom in those games that while they weren't truly open world, they mm-hmm. felt open to do what you wanted in. Open town. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, That's it's really what they were. To, open yeah, town. it's hard to describe almost, but... Um, I feel like there's just so much potential here where I actually, this is out of the entire list that we're talking about today. This is probably the thing I'm most excited about because yes, I am a sucker for RPGs. That's no secret, but I like the idea of a first party Microsoft game being a role playing title. One that I did enjoy the entirety of the series and, and we haven't seen what that series can do on new tech. Even if we say the Xbox one is underpowered, so to speak, uh, it's still, I think tremendously exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would agree with all that. I think it's the most exciting, mm-hmm. for sure. So we'll see, but we also have another really interesting <laughs> leak, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Interesting is the best word, because we're talking about Marvel Avengers. Mm-hmm. So on the E3 site, I'm going to pull up the quote. There was a, a bit of a mistake on some employees, and... um. Mm-hmm. And so let me go ahead and get that for us. All right. So it is going to be a single player game. Mm -hmm. It's going to have multiplayer mechanics. It's going to, I brought the wrong article. It's going to have, it's going to have multiplayer mechanics. So it's going to have hero customization and it mentions defending an ever expanding world, Mm -hmm. which hints at games as a service. Yeah. So, really exciting idea. We have Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, working on a Avengers title. I expected them to take the multiplayer route. I would mm-hmm. like to hear what you gentlemen think. What did you expect Go. versus what you were getting? Go for it. I was not expecting multiplayer, per se. I, I was expecting more of um, like a single player, almost like Marvel Ultimate Alliance but not quite. And I was thinking more of like what we got with uh, Marvel Spider-Man, where it's like a really heavy story in the Avengers universe, but it's within their own uh, story, right? So Marvel right. Spider-Man didn't follow the MCU in the same way the Marvel Avengers won't follow the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting from this, but when I heard that this is going to be an ever-expanding story, multiplayer, hero customization... Uh, I like what you said about, uh, you know, you have to buy the Miles Morales uh, suit. Oh, with that. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was not expecting that, but I'm not nervous about it, if that makes sense. Okay. Let me just add on one thing here, because I got the quote up. Apologies. I should have had it up and ready to go yeah. for the show, but I thought I could go off the cuff. Uh, it says, this is the defining Avengers gaming experience, an epic action adventure that combines cinematic storytelling with continuous continuous emphasis there single player and cooperative gameplay moderated by andrea renee assemble in teams up to four players master extraordinary abilities customize your heroes to fit your play style and combine powers to defend an ever-expanding world under constant threat 
So now with mm-hmm. that information, any additional thoughts you wanted to, to pepper in there? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah so I'm going to throw out probably a stupid idea, right? Because everybody's right. comparing this to Destiny and Anthem and right. all that Ghost Recon. I hear that, and I, and I saw that article, and I saw IGN's like, take on the whole continuous story. Mm-hmm. What if it's more like Rainbow Six Siege, right, where you select a hero and it's talking about mastering abilities, customizing that hero. You have to defend it. It's teams of four. Hmm. Uh, what if it's more like that? It's more of a tactical, and you don't customize it in the way of just like RPG realms, but it's mastering abilities like different um, characters, different uh, heroes in the game. So like kind of like kits, multiplayer kits, almost like an Overwatch yeah. hero or something like that. Like they have their selective powers and abilities that make them unique, interesting. <laughs> Just the only thing I guess I think of is, I don't think it's a stupid idea, by the way. I guess the only thing I think of is when they mention hero customization, but then they also mention mastering abilities. It's like, what are are we customizing versus what are we mastering? Like, do they give us a a, a swath of powers and then we customize our characters from there? Or are we able just to tweak these kits that, like you were mentioning? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the same way, uh, Siege has somewhat of customization where you you buy the... um, by, by the outfits. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, you, you customize the characters a little bit, but they, they seem to be really emphasizing hero customization. So I don't think it would be in the way of just like buying uh, cosmetics. Right. But, yeah. I like the idea. Carrick, where do you, where do you sit on this? I, I, I'm a big fan of Ultimate Alliance or the Alliance games like 360 you know, those superhero games. So if it's anything like that, I'll be completely fine with it. When it comes to the games as a service thing, I'm so happy I rarely look at news ever because I didn't know this discussion was coming up about like, oh, it's Destiny. It's like, I give a fuck about that. Until I actually get it announced, I won't know what any of that is. So I didn't even know those discussions. I mean, I assumed they were happening, but I didn't realize like IGN had also covered it and talked about it. Yeah. Um, what they say in a blurb, I never buy because or good or bad because mm-hmm. sometimes they've said something in a blurb and i've been like what the fuck and then when they announce i'm like oh all right it's no big deal and vice versa obviously so i'm gonna wait until we actually see some of it to identify but i will say this i do not have a problem with a game that gives me an amazing return on my original investment and mm-hmm. then adds stuff to it because mm-hmm. that to me is actually awesome that is that is the opposite of bad to me as long as it's priced gotcha. fairly and there's some cool stuff like a new island to go to or a new place to go. As somebody who plays DC Universe Online all the time, they do new comic book episodes based on the movies, for instance. Mm-hmm. So you'll be playing and they'll be like, Aquaman, the comic book adventure has been added. And now you've got a new raid. You've got a new level, new voice acting, all that stuff. I don't want it to be microtransaction is what I'm talking But what I'm saying is that kind of continual... Imp- like If they kind game, of mesh the MCU to an extent with exactly the gaming universe and, and, and i and we've seen it on star trek or star wars knights of the old republic where they've added continual content that i've really liked um i'm bringing mmos into this just because games as a service there's an overlap there i think um no it's a good point though i'm not really bothered by it until i see what they i'll, I'll be bothered once i start seeing all the you know when, when you start noticing how things are all put together but right. we also had people bitching about rage too of all things and being like there's a there's a calendar, like an update calendar for Rage 2, and I'm like, Jesus, are we just bitching about yeah. everything now? Like, I don't, what? Yeah, I, I should make my standpoint clear while we're on it then that I sit in the realm of I get 
interested and excited about seeing continuous content. Although I think there's a right time and place for it. Like when Rage was Very before much so. reveal, or I'm sorry, not before reveal, but before release. And then they're mm. like, here's all the content that's coming. I'm like, that doesn't get me to buy in. I need to know what I'm buying into in the first place is worth. It, right now. Yeah, exactly. Going into that later. That's what's important to me. Um, what my biggest concern is, is I've, like all of us here, I'd imagine we've played a lot of Marvel games. And um, mm-hmm. while the Marvel license has improved a lot, we see the likes of um, Spider-Man on PS4, hopefully... Uh, Avengers works out with Square Enix. We've seen the Marvel Games Department really with, with like Bill Roseman and a couple others there carefully picking partners to make sure that it's represented well. I, I just don't want to be naive and turn a blind eye to how ripe a games-as-a-service Marvel game is um, yeah. for monetization because I played a lot of Marvel Strike Force on my phone, and while that is a mobile game free-to-play, um, it, it very much was... Despite my enjoyment with it, by the way, it very much was constantly trying to sell me new skins, new gems, new anything. Like every single, you click a menu, pop up, pick, click a menu, pop up. And it got to a point where eventually, you know, your brain just shut off and you were just like, okay, X, X, X. You kept just getting rid of it. But, and I don't think it'll be like this. Let's say it is a $60 game because we don't know if it'll end up being like free to play and they'll do that or not. Because I feel like free to play in many ways can be the future for games as a service titles because uh, there is that easy to enter fee almost uh, because you look at dauntless we were just talking last week how would you say care yeah. four million players it's at five already five yeah. there you go yeah i tried it insane. by the way i was not i was not impressed uh, the the me neither i called it funless Fortnite. oh my god i called it funless but yeah, that, whatever was... you know anyway yeah. don't want to get off track there i feel mm-hmm. like that's the future where we don't know what they're going to do with it but what i'm saying is i don't want to turn a blind eye to the fact that monetization it, it could be very much taken advantage of in a a very popular property i mean look how much Endgame sold mm-hmm. in terms of tickets and how popular it is. Like people love Marvel, and rightfully so. Marvel is awesome, but it, it it could be, especially in games, man. It could easily be taken advantage of. So it it can, but what I think is happening now is instead of being critical, mm-hmm. which is fine, people are just being instantly cynical. And there are companies that are actually doing it well. We've talked about this hundreds of times. So it's like we do side with the companies that don't and assume that they're all going to not do it well. But you also look at it this way. Currently in the market, 35% of all developers are fired the day a game gets released or within three months of a game being released because they don't have current work. To me, would I rather have a game that was awesome? Again, the initial price point, which is what you were talking about. That has to be amazing. Mm -hmm. So that initial property is amazing. Would I rather have that with current or with continued amazing stuff like expansions for Shivering Isles, which I've talked about, you oh, know, for expansions sure. for Elder yeah, Scrolls? Yeah, I'm on board with that. Which, right. Would I rather have that or would I wait four years for a, a sequel? And every mm. single time you ask me that, I will tell you I would much rather have the awesome game continue to be awesome. Yeah. Like, right. And we've seen it Horizon Zero Dawn Frozen Wilds. Nice size DLC sold it as an expansion, and it was totally fine. Um, the skins thing and all that stuff, that's, it, it does suck, especially at certain price points, but we don't know any of that yet. So right. it's like, to me, I just don't get angsty anymore because mm. that just I think it just leads you to be all emotional about it, and I would rather look at it and go, okay, this is, now that we know, this is not acceptable to me for my purchase plan, which might be different than your guys's, 
And then you guys may say, no, this is fine. But right now we don't know anything. It's just, and they never said games as a service. We read bullet points and we're like, oh, it's going to be games as a service. Well, you think continuous and ever expanding world, that has to, that has to mean something. It could it just mean simply DLC packs down the line. Dude, dude, continuous and ever expanding world, ever expanding world certainly sounds like games as a service, but continuous no, that doesn't mean ever expanding at all. Continuous, no, continuous could be procedurally generalized or generated oh, fucking extra battle maps. <laughs> oh, it could be worse. I it could be worse not. than you're assuming. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, do you think what your idea is the worst? Nah, I could come up with worse ones. Hmm. So yeah. my opinion is like, look at it, go, okay, this is probably what it is, which is fine, but we don't know. We have no fucking clue. And if something's going to be amazing at 60 bucks and then later have some stuff, Great, whatever. I'll still play it at 60 bucks. Maybe I won't get the new stuff. But I think a lot of companies... I guess yeah, one of uh, the things I want to point out is a lot of companies are starting to learn what isn't working, too. And at some point, I think we've already seen it, but we're going to continue to see some companies go, okay, not for the betterment of society, but because they know that people are pissed, they'll be like, we can't do this. We have to do this mm-hmm. thing over here. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it's it's a difficult conversation. The thing that bothers me is people are mad about DLC. They're mad about they're mad about microtransactions. They're mad about games as a service. They're mad, and it's like at some point the only real way to release a game right now without getting people mad would be to do your full priced initial purchase and then never do anything else. And that Which to is me silly. is stupid. It's yeah. so closed off. Because mm-hmm. dude, Frozen Wild's one of the best DLCs I've ever played, for instance, on in Horizon Zero Dawn. I would have been really upset if that hadn't come out. That's just me. Adam, you had something to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, I agree with uh, Carrick here. Where we don't know anything. Um, mm-hmm. They never said a price. All they said was uh, Ever Expanding or what, what was the um, Ever actual? Expanding World uh, right here. World. With continuous single player and cooperative gameplay. So we see that, and Carrick's right. Uh, right following from Anthem, everybody is just striking a chord. Um, where where we feel ripped off, and now this next game out, comes out. It's not Square Enix's fault that Anthem failed, uh-huh. and yet yeah. we're sure. going to go. Yeah, and we're just going to go and judge them. Uh, one thing I was going to point out to you, Maddie, in in terms of ever expanding world and how they can work well, and I know you're going to go off on a tangent with this. Elder Scrolls oh, no. Online. Elder Scrolls oh. Online. Oh, great game. Yeah. Great game. Yeah. <laughs> Ever expanding world, you know, they they got the elsewhere right. DLC or the expansion. They don't call it DLC, right? They just call it an expansion. I think yeah, at this point they do because they they do them annually, so. Yeah. And I and I think they do it right. Yeah. Uh it does cost money, but at the same time, you get a lot of bang for your buck in that way. 100%. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it could be it could be like that. There's definitely good examples of expanding worlds. I maybe I shouldn't have I, I approached it aggressively. Uh, well, I oh, I don't think you did at all. I didn't hear you approach it aggressively. No, no. I was indicating more the people that you, I was hearing about the stories, like yeah. that mm. people were already bitching about it. I'm like, about what? I mean, right? About it's what? The, we don't have anything yet. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I don't think you did at all. At least, oh, I didn't okay. Yeah, it. I just don't want you guys to think I'm being like the negative Nancy. I just I, I want to make sure I approach this as like. I, I like Square Enix. I like their JRPGs for the most part. Um, but I, I feel like after a lot of their mismanagement with Final Fantasy XV, Kingdom Hearts Three, Final Fantasy Seven Remake, completely separate projects, by the way. Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. Yeah, and then how they had to reboot that entirely. Um, 
I, I guess I get a little reluctant to want to just put the trust in their hands and be like, all right, you got this. Um, yeah. and obviously I don't so think there's a thing about have. putting trust in their hands. I think there's a thing about we don't know whether to not do it until yeah. we know more. Right. So I agree with you. I And to be honest, I didn't know about this mismanagement thing you're talking about. I haven't followed them, so I don't know. Well, just what, like Yon Kingdom Hearts 3 took missed. forever to come out. 15 got shut down before DLC finished. 7 oh, remake okay. disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, that's all fair. That's all fair. Um, yeah, and those are good reasons for people to to definitely worry, more so than I knew. Mm. Um, my personal opinion is, if it's bad, you're going to hear from me. But yeah, right. until I know, because um, I'll be the first to be like, fucking what the fuck? But I, I got I sort of need something to be mad at, because otherwise right. I'm just mad at a, a bullet point, and mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't really pay off. Um, I didn't know about the mismanagement of the final fantasies and i get your kingdom hearts thing i think delays happen um but i get that just too um, many i do get that so so those are reasons for people who experienced those which i did not remember that i didn't experience those so i don't have that vested like disgust towards what they've done where somebody else who's experienced all those is going to have more so they should watch closer because they just mm -hmm. know more than me about it. But for me, as somebody who doesn't follow those games, those other titles that they've mismanaged as closely, because mm -hmm. um, I didn't know anything. I I, I had forgotten about the uh, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I mean, that it doesn't change my opinion, but it's certainly that that's just more data for me than to look at it and go. Right. Because hmm. I, I guess if we're going to pull from 15, that, that was a game that story was incomplete. And then they tried to expand the world and do like, yeah. a multiplayer component. They did episodic DLC. They tried to fill in the gaps and eventually it was coming into a more complete picture where people really liked it. But at the same time, you don't want to see that same approach happen with, Hey, it worked fine for 15. I think it ended up not right. I think they, they reported they lost a ton of money on that game, but um, I guess, you know, that approach and, and how much did they learn from it? I just want to make sure listeners out there are wary of both sides because this could be something that's awesome. If it's like a 2019 fall game where we're going to be playing multiplayer uh, squad-based Avengers, that's awesome. That, that, yeah. That'd be so awesome as a, a sucker for superhero games. That sounds great. I just hope they, they do it right, sort of like what we saw this year with The Division 2. I think that was a game that yes. did games as a service right. While yeah. I did not continue into the end game. I very much thoroughly enjoyed my 32-hour adventure in that world. Yeah, there and there are some examples of it being done right, and um, that's one of the nice things is that those companies do look mm -hmm. at other companies. Like, a having talked to a couple developers, they're like, dude, yes, we watch. Like, Game Pass, for instance, if you're going to go to Game Pass or not, there's a huge, I mean, discourse amongst all the developers going, do we go, is Game Pass right for us? You talk to other developers. Was it right for you? Mm -hmm. You, I mean, so they all look, and I'm sure some of them are like, "That didn't work out, so we're not going to do it this way." Um, so my hope is they're all watching. I think. I think also they have a vested. All these companies have a vested interest. It sounds like Square does because they fucked up in the past in in correcting those past mistakes too. Because you can't continue to burn. There's very few companies. Nintendo gets away with it. I, I would say Nintendo gets a free pass Nintendo almost gets away all the time. With fucking everything, bro. Nintendo gets Nintendo gets there. It's almost like a cult-like attitude where they get away with a lot of stuff. But most of the time, I think a company only has a certain number of times before they're, you know, they're sort of marked, and that long-term hatred starts to boil up. And if Square's mm -hmm. had this many issues, hopefully, we'll just say hopefully, that when we come to E3, we see some learning on their part. Yeah. Um, and some ideas of, of how They're the how it's being show. delivered. Yeah, yeah. 
we remember we've joked because we we're like they're replacing Sony technically, and it's like yeah. what were, what are they going to show a fucking forty five minute like just video of one game, know, and instead right? they they yeah it's instead they've got a bunch of stuff. Remember they're also handling Dying Light now. Oh yeah, yeah, which is huge because well I don't want to say, but I'm really happy they're doing the publishing. I'll just say that versus the other company I thought that was doing. It. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's very cool. Okay. Wow. More leaks. <laughs> More problems. Let's go no shit, into right? uh, let's go yeah. into another one. This one is uh, semi gaming related, I guess, but really, um, we're just going to be talking about a Netflix gaming adaptation, really a book adaptation. I'm sorry, uh, The Witcher. So there was some footage that went online of some Nilfgaardian soldiers having a battle scene. Uh, the setting looked cool. It was very like misty forest almost. And mm-hmm. we got a good look, a very good close-up look in clear quality of what this Nilfgaard armor looked like. And, uh, look, I've already said my piece. I made a pretty lengthy video on it. Adam, let's get started with you, man. What did you think about this Nilfgaardian armor? I like spreading positivity in this world. And I love okay. encouraging people. But that looked you like garbage. Well. Oh, wow, yeah. okay. <laughs> that looked like garbage and someone has to be responsible. Somebody has to be accountable for that. Mm. There really is an excuse here because you're using, this isn't a low budget indie film. This is Netflix budget. Yeah. And they have a lot of source material. They have the games they can just look at. But what, one thing I thought about, like what you said, it's not related to the video game. He, the author made it quite clear. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this dude's name. Sapkowski. Uh, not the first name. <laughs> Yeah, um, the the first name is just on. I'm not even going to try. Andre, um, I don't know. <laughs> where he made it clear that he didn't want this anywhere touched with the games. So we're seeing it as like, oh, the the Witcher Three. Um, they they had great armor, but this one it's not based on it. I I feel like he wants to get so far away mm. from from the video games, and he's on the creative team. He he is a creative consultant, even though he left twice. But now he's back. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. I actually uh, did a little bit of research a little bit when, when you uh, gave me this note. But I saw that he adapted his book in May 2017. It was supposed to be a movie, but then Netflix is just like, you're giving us too much source material. We have to do a series. So he adapted in 2017, and then he denied the position to be a creative consultant in January 2018. And then he met with a showrunner in April 2018, and they came back in May 2018 as part of the creative team. Wow. So he does have some consulting in there. So I, I, I think that has everything to do with it, that he envisioned the armor in this way, uh, even though it looks like what you said, a trash bag. Yeah. You know? I, I, by the way, I want to clarify that statement. And, and not that anyone was like uh, mad about it, but I just want to make sure people were knowing I'm not trying to like coin a funny term. Like it legitimately looks like it does. a trash bag on your shoulders. Yeah. That, that was the clean version that you did. Yeah. Well, like there's other things to compare it to. But really? the clean yeah. garbage bag. Carrie, do you have a chance to see it? Yeah, this is the wrinkle plus one armor that he's got. Mm-hmm. Like it's all wrinkled up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't fucking care. Looks stupid. Are you surprised? <laughs> no. Um I wasn't. I wasn't. I just was like, this looks bad, but yeah, it's not shocking. It looks it, it looks bad, but it's not shocking. Yeah. I it like I it's one bit of armor, and we have a tendency to look at one thing and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I certainly looked at that and went, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it does look bad. But um, 
I have no clue what the, even the context is. And then I saw somebody post later and it was like, just so you guys know, that's like a third, that is something about like, that's like a tertiary character's armor that they wear in the background. It's not even a main character or a secondary character's armor. Whether that was true or not, I don't know. But I saw it this morning and I was like, okay, whatever. It's like, weird because... Until I see it in the show and mm -hmm. see what they were trying to do, I think it was a dumb design. It looked fucking horrible. Um, yeah. But what I think they were going for, just so you know, is there, it is, there is a medieval... This is one of the things I studied. There is a medieval armor that uses a boiled hide that's wrinkled on purpose with the belief originally was that swords and stuff, instead of cutting through a flat piece, would be mm -hmm. more difficult to cut through something that yeah. was ridged. It there's it had a belief that appearance, but it, yeah, it was too much. It crossed for me. my head. Yeah, exactly. It crossed my mind. I was like, maybe the idea is like the sword gets wedged in there or something. Like yeah. I, I don't know, but I was I thought to myself, this does it doesn't look right. I'm not saying every piece of armor has to be aesthetically pleasing, but it has to look like a thing that can defend your life. Yeah, at the very right. minimum. Yeah, yeah. But again, I do, like <laughs> they said the same thing. Like when we see Cavill. And, you know, somebody will catch him from a bad glint, and they'll be like, Cavill's gaining weight. You have fucking People magazine yeah. talking about, you know, some somebody leaving a show. Yeah, it would suck yeah, right. dick to be, that, like, that followed. Um, mm -hmm. But it does show also, uh, it does show focus mm -hmm. and care, as in people care, and people are focusing, which then goes into that somebody should be responsible, which mm -hmm. is which I agree with. So it, it's more along the lines of, I want, I want to see where it is in the show. Like, what if we all get this idea that it's fucking dumb, and in the show, the guy's like, that's dumb armor. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have no clue what... I just don't even know what's occurring mm -hmm. um, to, to get that angry about it. Also, I'm not interested in the show at all. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of focus on my part other than I think I'll use it for humor if that is armor because it looks terrible. I will mm -hmm. use that more for like, well, I'm glad I wasn't interested. Yeah. If I am interested, then I'll, and it's in there, I'll be like, fuck, I like this, but goddamn that armor. I mean, it, it looked goofy as fuck, but that's as far as I took it. Like, I didn't investigate it or, you know. I, I did read the post that tried to explain it was, like I said, a tertiary character's armor or something weird where it was like, that's not even, they're not even going to be seen, blah, blah, blah. Which then made me wonder, oh, maybe it's accented because they're in a faraway camera shot and you, they, you still want to be able to see it or something. But to me, it looked um, poorly made. It's strange someone would say that because you could see up close there was a symbol uh, right on like the, around the neck, like designed to be visible. And it's like if that's like designed to be a backdrop piece of armor, then why not just mm -hmm. give them a full black version of that instead of putting yeah. an emblem right on the side? They usually don't do sense. that, though. They usually don't do that. Yeah. There's a lot of detail on it yeah. for just be a background, though. But I, I, I again, I mean, Maybe that could sec. also have been them just being smart asses, mm -hmm. like not not being truthful about it too. It could have just been somebody explaining something that they thought as as the reasoning for it. It looked dumb, but I think Cavill himself looks a little goofy, so that'll mm -hmm. even that'll take me a while to get accustomed to in the first place too. Um, yeah, he kind of looked like Legolas from you know, Lord of the Rings with like platinum, but hair. ripped. But jacked, yeah. right? A jacked Legolas who's been rolling around in nicotine patches and testosterone. <laughs> and he's like, let's, let's swing some swords. Um, I will say, you're talking to somebody who thinks the new Dark Crystal looks amazing. So I am accustomed to things not looking perfectly realistic. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I may be coming at it from a slightly different, like, eh, I'll wait and see. Because I heard a lot of people see in the trailer for Dark Crystal, and they're like, that looks fucking terrible, because it's Muppets, puppets, oh. instead of 
you know, it's it's practical. Um, so I'm sort of accustomed to it too. But no, I'm not. I'm not arguing. It looks like shit, mm. but I I don't know the context of it, other yeah. than it does look like shit. <laughs> I I just know I would hate to work on those type of environments where somebody was scrutinizing yeah. every fucking thing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that would suck, man. What if you were the person who made that? And like everybody told you, this was awesome. <laughs> and then like the world is like, no, it's not. <laughs> that would be terrible, man. It would be so harsh, so harsh. I can't wait to see if it'll be a train wreck or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it won't. Well, like, how do you guys feel? Like, because you both are like pretty big creators here, and and you make your videos, and you you put a lot of work behind it, and you think it's awesome. Maybe you show your friends; they say it's awesome. Put it online, and then did you ever get ripped in that way? course <laughs> i i have been generally pretty lucky but i don't reach out like maddie does maddie does a lot more he does reviews but he does a bunch of discussion stuff where we do our podcast and where all my video content <laughs> yeah my pod my podcast is where all my questionable shit comes mm -hmm. out because i'm pretty free-flowing in the podcast maddie does podcasts but he also does the side videos far more than i do and I think he has a, more of a chance just because there's always somebody who will disagree with you. You could yeah. say Tetris is is uh, one of the best puzzle games, and somebody will post, it's not a puzzle game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just be like, but it, it is a puzzle game. No, it's not. Yeah. So, I mean, I know Maddie's got attacked a couple times, and... It mm -hmm. fucking sucks, but at the same yeah, time, you do have to I, just move on. I don't know. The way I, I approach it, and while this, I guess this doesn't have to do with The Witcher and how they would combat it, I just, I make something that I know at least is defensible and I'm proud of, so if I ever had to defend myself, the video sort of speaks for itself. I try to leave it bulletproof when I walk away. Yeah, you it. try, your context needs to be solid, and they have yeah. no context for this. That's one of the problems is mm -hmm. they can be attacked because there's no context whatsoever for the pick. For there's the not picture. like the rest of the show to go like, oh, there's a good story. Yeah, or where with a video, if, if you're explaining it in context, you'll have people defend you. Even if somebody's mad, you'll have somebody be like, dude, he explained that right in the video. Like, mm -hmm. you may not agree, and I don't even agree. I've had people say, I absolutely disagree with Carrick's rating, but I get... I understand 100% where he came from. To me, that's the best too. type of viewer because they're the ones who are going to be like, I get it, I understand, mm -hmm. we disagree on the result, and there's nothing wrong with that. With what? With Rage 2? Yeah, with me. Like, usually I'll be in the chat and people are like, what, what do you think of Rage 2? And, like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pop back that I think it's one of the most fun games I've played. I really enjoyed. it. I like the, the breaks between the gameplay and the open world. While that's a really common complaint for folks. Like, every time I talk about Rage 2 with someone, mm. it's always... Oh, it's fun, but I wish the gameplay didn't stop. I'm like, I love that it stops because I like to take a second to fucking breathe. Like, that, yeah. I, even Doom has that to an extent, and I, and everyone compares it to that. And I'm like, I think there's a little bit of, you know, washover with that game where they think like the action's just like, duh, 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 like it, it doesn't stop. There's a lot more of it, but there are those moments of walking to and fro, listening over yeah. the headset to something. There is things that break up the action because if it's too much, your your brain just shuts off. But very um, much so. Very much so. Yeah. When it loops back to The Witcher, yeah, they, they lack that context. And I think um, it'll be more interesting to see how the discussion evolves when we see a full trailer of it. Uh, it's interesting because it's supposed to be coming out at the end of this year. And normally, TV and movie marketing is very different. They're, they're very open, transparent, because uh, they have to go to different spots to film. And it's very easy for, as we see in today's discussion, stuff to leak. So it's strange we haven't seen like a trailer uh, talking about yeah. this show. It's, it's really weird. 
Yeah, that's actually one of the weirdest parts of it all, is that we haven't seen anything to really add any context, which is why the discussion can happen in the first place, because mm -hmm. we haven't seen anything else. I, I would have thought, because when's it coming out? It's supposed to be the end of this year. So Netflix. Dark Dark Crystal already did their full teaser trailer day before yesterday, sorry, yesterday, um, and theirs is August. So I'm oh, assuming yeah. we're going to see a Netflix or, sorry, not a Netflix, but a trailer from Witcher at some point in the next couple days because you are getting close enough that you want to, you also want to remind people, not a fan, of, or are you done with Game of Thrones? Well, guess what? We have Witcher 3, mm -hmm. um, which you always want to ride the coattail of that. So yeah. I, would, I would hope we get one soon. Hopefully that armor is not a part of the commercial because if so, <laughs> that's all we're going to hear about, right? That'll be all yeah. we hear about is that armor if it's part well, of the commercial. <laughs> then part of the trailer because then it's like almost memeable like they they know that they got in a lot of flack from it and then it's gives more people talking it Again, might, yeah. might, might i don't know i don't know if you guys believe it but i'm not a firm believer all the time that bad uh, any publicity is good publicity i think uh, sometimes I, it can I, be bad yeah, i i don't know maybe it's because i care about reputation a lot um mm -hmm. I, I think that stuff really matters but yeah i don't i don't think like any cred is good cred, you know? Yeah, I, like, the idea of being a memeable armor for a hist uh, whatever. Well, remember that The Witcher is technically supposed to be like a historical mixed with fantasy. Right. So the mm -hmm. idea of like them being like, that'll be memeable. I, I hope they're not doing that. I don't that know, because, because you know, then what else are we going to get? It's funny you say that because <laughs> uh, Netflix is, is memed in general for their adaptations. People joke about it because of Death Note. I don't know if you guys ever had a chance to check yeah. that out. Versus, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they do, uh, real. What is it like? Net. They do those stages. They're like reality or like source material, and they go Netflix adaptation. And like people would do that with like a picture of me versus like a picture of Shaggy, and they do like here's the Netflix adaptation. Right. Be me with like my, my blonde hair, and yeah. it, it's because it's so far off base from the source material. So Netflix kind of has a rep for this type of stuff. And if you guys ever want to have a good laugh. Just watch like twenty minutes of Death Note. You don't even have to know the source yeah. material. Like it's, I don't want to be a piece of crap, but it, it's really not very yeah. good. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. very good. All right, so we'll see in due time. Maybe it'll drop a trailer if it's coming out at the end of the year. Then maybe sometime yeah, in, in July, think, August. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm 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 still excited to see what it does. But anyway, maybe, me too. Yeah. On a more positive note. We got a reveal yeah. for a game that I think, you know, can do something special this year in many ways. We got the full reveal. Uh, I guess full may be a little extreme, but we got a trailer reveal for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, while there were still your typical at times explosions and action in the trailer, um, we could see that things were really slowed down and mm -hmm. that there was a much more gritty take. It's running on a new engine. Crossplay is now a thing. No season pass. Uh, we talked last week, Carrick and I, and we'll get your thoughts, Adam, about how they're taking a uh, no more, what is it, no Russians approach to the campaign, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make it a lot more personal, emotional. And um, I'm going to bring up a quote from another YouTuber who actually saw the game behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But anyway, for now, you guys chatted up about the, the reveal. What did you think about the trailer and, and yeah. overall how it served go. you? You can go first. I thought, like I said, uh, I, I, you can tell this is made in a new engine. You can tell that they're trying to make a more tactical approach to this. This isn't just kind of like um like a run-and-gun kind of call of right. duty. 
this is a lot more uh, gritty and tactical and uh, and uh, a lot more, um, I, I like to call it night vision warfare. I don't know what you would call that, but it, you can tell that they're trying to go for the more like dark ops, like the black ops kind of like deal. Mm-hmm. Carrick, what about you? Um, yeah, no, I would agree with that. It de- in fact, it did enough night vision that if I hadn't seen it was Call of Duty, I would have thought it was a third-person splinter cell or a yeah. first-person splinter cell because they, they did the night vision thing like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I think the new engine, some of the stuff we saw looked good. They did the typical cheat where they're like, all of this is within the game engine. That means absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the little dice approach there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that means absolutely nothing. Um, good or bad. Some gameplay, though. As in, as in, I, I'm not thinking that's good or bad. I'm just saying... I'm just waiting until we see somebody with a controller moving the fucking dude around and, mm-hmm. and get that. Um, yeah, it looked, I thought it looked slower. The The rumor that I had heard also was that there was going to be a lot more like room intrusions and yeah. building to building uh, fighting and slower fighting. Uh, Call of Duty, when I say slow, I don't mean that you won't need to be fast. I mean, there won't be a dude flying above you in a mech fucking landing behind you with a superpower Rolling move down, running up the like side of a wall. enemies in a room. Yeah, throwing a knife at one end of the fucking map and hitting yeah. you, you know. So, to me, that's good. Um, I'm not really sold on the no Russians thing, since to me that felt the that original time that was made, that felt like a complete cop-out. It felt like the, like, just to, to be cool kind of thing, just to be, you know, questionable content in our game. Um, this, I, I had read that you can possibly be an, uh, the enemy for half of the game or yeah, or, yeah. yeah. and so that, I didn't know that. Wow. made me very interested that because is... then you know are they a freedom fighter and they're on your team or are you actually against mm-hmm. the invading forces like and we won't know until they show more of it but that could be quite interesting mm-hmm. um yeah it, it i what i saw looked impressive i mean it looked it looked less like call of duty than any other call of duty has ever mm-hmm. looked, I would say. I think it looks slower, more methodical, which I like. Yeah, I wanted to bring up a, a quote, like, well, like a partial quote, because you said, you know, Freedom Fighters, and it says that it will feature a dual perspective to, uh, storyline. I didn't write down who said this mistake by me. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. But he also said, uh, this is behind one of the creators, you will face morally gray situations that soldiers themselves have to face. So I'm I'm seeing, I'm thinking more of like a spec up the line kind of uh, gameplay. So you're Which facing could be both. Really good. Yeah. So you're you're kind of see where both sides are coming from and the moral gray areas that they have to face. Instead of you being like um, like GI Joe almost, you know, the the great American hero. You're just um, you're just kind of seeing like what the morally gray situations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually, uh, some of us should be familiar with the YouTuber Game Ranks, and yeah. um, he uploads a lot of like review style videos, I believe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when the trailer dropped, he actually wrote, uh, "This trailer doesn't do it justice. I got to see it behind the scenes a few weeks ago. It's a reboot, a bit slower, more tactical, door breaching, scary, realistic death animations." Close quarters, they're going full edgy with the campaign. To me, it felt like no rush in the game. I play every single one, but I haven't actually cared about a COD in a long time. I'm glad they're giving us solid single player. The new engine it's running on looks great. It reminds me of Rainbow Six Patriots before it got canceled. From what I did see, uh, from what I did get to see in Modern Warfare, I was genuinely surprised they were taking it in such a slower, story-focused direction. Less kills, more emotion. Scare factor, I'm not sure. 
uh, doing it with such a mainstream bro franchise felt ballsy and I left impressed. You know, so that's hmm. just a little additional thought to go with there. You know, a YouTuber who, who had the chance to, to check out the game and yeah. um, and gave his a, thoughts. Uh, on it. What's up? You said that was Jake Baldino, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Game ranks. Or ranks. Yeah. Ranks. Whatever yeah. it is. Um, but it it looks it looks really good and hearing some of the rumors about the campaign has me excited because I know once I go into the multiplayer it, it, it will be my standard Call of Duty affair. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll take a lot of if they're gonna do that with the campaign, maybe they'll take some pages from Siege and, and it's gonna be like quicker kills. Yeah. Um I would certainly love that because I, I loved Siege and I think uh, given that yeah. my favorite mode in Call of Duty is Search and Destroy, and I put a lot of time into Siege, it just makes sense to, you know, match them up, right? And, and have those slower, methodical kills, more squad-based gameplay. You know, one yeah. headshot, that's all you need. Um, that would be interesting to see in Call of Duty. I, I would really be keen to see them just change up the formula. Um, because uh, Shinobi602, who is a former guest in the podcast, we've had him here multiple times, he actually posted a graph of, I think, every best-selling game mm-hmm. since 2011 or 2012, and all of them except for one year were Call of Duty. So I think if I'm a developer of Call of Duty, I look at that and go, this shit's selling no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even when it was Infinite Warfare and it was getting dislike bombed, it sold the best. Let's just do yeah. this. It's selling anyway. Let's Let's take a chance and do something creatively different. Now it may sell well because people know what to expect. It's a safe buy. There, there is some. I put this in quotes. Quality assurance for folks when yeah. they get a Call of Duty game. Uh, it's all subjective in that matter, but I think it'll be interesting to see how sales refer to this or um, respond to this change in Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I think even even the most casual gamer will enjoy a change of pace because. It'll be different, and they'll buy into it expecting one thing, get a different thing, and, and maybe there's a positive response to that. Um, but what I really want to focus on is something that, whether you like the game, you hate the game, you don't like Call of Duty, Call of Duty can burn for all you care, crossplay. Crossplay mm. announced. PC, PS4, Xbox One. When we had to have Sony kick and scream to get it on for Fortnite. Yeah. What made you think that all of a sudden Call of Duty is going to do it? And do you think this is going to set the standard where crossplay is an expectation moving forward? Yeah. Are you going to go? Or, no. I don't think I don't think it'll set an expectation. Oh, really? Okay. But I yeah, I think Call of Duty is a big enough comp- uh, or a big enough game they can force it. But I don't think Sony's ever indicated that they really want to do crossplay with every title. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But I think. Well, when I say a pattern, I want to make sure that's clear. I don't think it'll be like, okay, everybody's doing it. We will see com- more companies do it, but I don't know if Call of Duty doing it would start like or would cause us. And... Yeah, I don't know if a smaller company can go, oh, it worked for them. Let's get more resources to build it for us because it is more money. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you, it does cost something to do it. Um, but it looks, I mean, dude, crossplay, no season pass, right? This is all, this is cool because this is the data we didn't have, by the way. Mm-hmm. with the Avengers stuff, right? Like, yeah, these right. are the, discus- the discussion points that we quite literally were saying we don't have for the other game, which is why it's more questionable. With mm-hmm. this game, they basically made it clear. However, funny enough, in my podcast prior, I mentioned all that, and one of the podcast goers says, 
I don't trust a fucking word they say. They will still have a season pass. And I was just like, damn, uh, can't win. Can't, yeah, I was just Can't win. I was like, damn, they said it. And he's like, in no way, shape, or form will it really be that way. And I'm not saying I actually disagree. I found it funny, though, that they did those bullet points, which is what we say we want, mm-hmm. right? We're like, we want those bullet points. They did all those bullet points. And still he's, still like, he's still like, it's not going to happen. Um I, I think it's awesome. I think crossplay is great because, dude, how many of us have got... I can't tell you how many millions of times, and it feels like millions, where I'll go into the Discord and I'll be like, we're putting a game together, guys, and somebody will have the Xbox version instead of PS4 or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? I know, right? Really? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Patreon like, would be the, so much more easy if, if crossplay was a thing. Oh, dude, it would be... It, it wouldn't even it's not even on the same scale if it was cross-platform yeah so that's cool um lack of season pass is really cool i i think all that's really great they didn't cover what would be multiplayer because i think you and i talked about this and i was like are they going to have multiplayer in it mm-hmm. and you were like no they for you, at least you were thinking you were like they're for sure will i do like that this trailer I, I we saw they, they didn't show any of that which i like this well, trailer yeah, and the discussion was like, it, this it, is just the campaign stuff. It um, was us which last week. Let I, you said focus how, I said how they usually separate it. They usually do like yeah. single, then multi. Yeah. And we see single yeah. player, like campaign gameplay. We're going to see at E3. And then afterwards, I want to say it's in July is when we see multiplayer. They, they do. And are we assuming this event. campaign is co-op, guys? Didn't they say that? I don't know if they did. I, I hope they did. I yeah. hope they did. Okay. I feel no, like it, it would fit. It'd be interesting. Did they say it's going to be couch co-op or just online co-op? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I didn't hear if they if anybody had even announced it. Um, if they did, that's great because that's that that would also be yeah. cool. That's another plus. Just like no, um. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, go I was ahead. gonna say like I know Halo Infinite. They they went on and said there's going to be couch co-op. There, there's yeah. co-op in Halo Five, but Halo Infinite's going to go back to couch co-op. Yeah. So I wonder if that's going to set a trend with call of duty that they that they hear that and they say couch co-op is back or did it ever leave i don't think it did for oh a, there was no couch which, which series sorry yeah, call of duty yeah call of duty hasn't always had couch yeah. co-op i know co-op, couch co-op's been in flux where like some yeah. games have it some don't i know borderlands 3 has it uh for yeah. what it's worth mm-hmm. i i know we've seen like an increase in it because people i think it was halo 5 that took it yeah, out people really freaked out yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. Call of Duty, though, I don't recall. Obviously, the last one I don't think did. Um, yeah, I don't it was, think like, so either. Totally online mode, so it, it had its what multiplayer zombies and battle mm-hmm. royale. So I don't think that one would have had a couch co-op of any kind. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I could be incorrect on that. If like maybe you could play Nazi zombies with with your buddy couch co-op, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. I haven't played Call of Duty since Advanced Warfighter. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I just never. Ha- I wanted to play Infinite Warfare. Wow, I, it just never ballsy! Got I know, I know. But like, I just <laughs> got around my to favorite it. Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I know. Everybody says that the, the campaign's so great. Why aren't you playing it? I'm just Walk like, along. I brought it on. I brought it up today in the podcast, and like the fucking chat just lit up. They're like, "Fucking! I just played that. That game is amazing, campaign wise. Like, I never expected that." And I was just I like, talk "Everybody, to each one of those people, and make it sure was your every, people. Everything is it was okay. Co- a I couple will, people from perfect, me. perfect. <laughs> I would love to have a chat with them. It's easily accessible. I'd love to talk hey, to them about that. Disagreements are fine. Calm down, Maddie. No, you're so angry. No, no not on that game. Um, <laughs> that, uh, and, but and uh, Battlefield Hardline. <laughs> Disagreements okay. can happen. <laughs> yeah. um, but when it comes down to it, the co-op, 
Microsoft had removed it. One of the reasons was performance, couch co-op, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. They're they're putting it back. I think we will see more companies try to put it back. I do still think some will just be like, no, this is not, you know, this is, we're just, it won't be here. It won't, there won't be couch co-op, which is also fine. But for this particular game, I'm not as invested in needing couch co-op for Call of Duty, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fast with when it comes to the gunplay, so I would rather have my full screen versus some kind of cut screen. I hate that shit, because you're always losing FOV somewhere. Um, yeah. So I would rather have, uh, you know, co-op in the campaign at minimum with a friend. <laughs> you know, that would be great. Uh, a couch would be fine, too, but uh, I... I personally, that wouldn't uh, excite me as much as just a good um, ability to play with your friend through the campaign. Mm-hmm. But then how do you tell the story, too? That's one of the big issues. How do you tell a story where you're both supposed to be the same character? Because, like, Halo does it by pretending you're not. Halo yeah. just calls everybody John. Like, they're just, <laughs> hey, John, hey, John. And they, yeah. just, they just are like, we're not even going to fucking worry about it. You yeah. can do that in, in this one. But in this one, if they're trying to focus on the horror of war... Yeah. Um, I don't know if that works as well with two people, and that will be interesting to see if they try to pull it off. Actually, if they do decide to do that, I'll be very interested to see how they how they pull it off. Because I'm less scared of things if I'm with somebody, right? There's somebody who's got your back. That's just that's why horror games for me don't work very well. well um, that... I would oh. I would I would need to be by myself. I think for those. Go ahead. Well, oh, sorry. Did I could. Oh, sorry. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, I think that's why it could work. It, it's because oh, you think so? Yeah, it, I, I don't think it works in horror uh, necessarily. Like, um, Evil Within wasn't really that scary. But uh, when, when we're talking about the horrors of war, yeah, I know. Um, trying to think of a better one. But regardless, a lot like Gears of War, uh, where, where I was talking about the grittiness of war and, like, what you have to go through. I'm not trying to say that this is going to be the Gears of War of Call of Duty. But right. you, had, you had a buddy by your side. You, you were going through these things. You were going through the trenches with somebody by your side uh and i'm by the way with all respects to our soldiers like i'm not trying to pretend that i know what they're going through Mm -hmm. or at all um but i think when they're trying to go for the gritty realness right you always have your squad made by you You always have your team by you no matter what good good point yeah i think that's why it could work in this game but i I think you're right in terms of horror games you want to be isolated you want to be in that kind of like moment in the dark but this kind of game, I think, will be working with a uh, with a buddy on it, or at least a separate mode. Like I said, Spec Ops mm-hmm. and Modern Warfare Two, where you had the side co op missions, a little more arcade based. Because I don't know, <clears throat> it, it really depends. Once again, we we've kind of highlighted a lot during this episode about context, where we know what the campaign is going to be like, but we don't know if that yeah. campaign vibe is going to carry into the multiplayer. And if it does, mm-hmm. then it's almost certainly spreading throughout the whole game. But if it's just a right. campaign thing, and they're like, "Yeah, multiplayer, fast, fluid, really action packed." then I don't know, maybe they do include some type of co-op mode that that adds value. Because what I'd love to see more than anything is there's always that tried and true story zombies multiplayer. And I'd love for them just to, you know, zombies is great because originally it was like once every couple of years you'd get it from Treyarch, but then everyone got their own version of zombies. I'd love to see them cut that out and try something new, like Spec Ops did. They were just like, here's here's this co-op game mode, not like it was great, but they Mm -hmm. tried something different. Um, I really appreciated that. Of course, they tried Aliens, I think, and it was... What modern warfare or was it advanced warfare? They tried some type of alien based game mode though, and I didn't think it was great. And so um, you know they're trying, and I'd love to see while they're experimenting, just go all in with that. Just try, <laughs> just throw throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, that's ballsy as hell to say 
that you think it might be better without zombies, especially how well zombies has been doing and how many people like it. That's ballsy as hell to say, don't put it in this next one. I think of, think of what they're doing with the game in general. They took out a campaign. It did fine. They're adding it back. There's a lot of interest. I don't know. I just feel yeah, like... Yeah, but I mean, I just don't think the campaign was ever the biggest sale. So it was, to it was me, like a big... rainy day thing, for sure. Yeah, so like... Uh, and I'm not a big... I'm not a huge fan of zombies. I'm just saying like the people I talk to like... It, these channels based off zombies. <laughs> they, exactly. Like I, when when you say you're not a fan of, you're always informed. There are others though, because they will mm-hmm. tell you. They will be like, "Well, I am a fan." <laughs> okay then. I've also accepted uh, there's so, fans of everything, but is it necessary yeah. to keep around as someone who likes? Zombies? Well, as as somebody who doesn't love zombies, the number of people I know who are getting those games purely for the zombie modes seems yeah. pretty Very goddamn high. high. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, that, but that, oh. that's beside the point. I just thought it was a cool, uh, cool thing to bring up. Is like the well, idea of of doing something. Different. Imagine if, because this good thing you mentioned the evil thing, because it just made me think. Imagine if they changed zombies to a more slow, methodical horror. survival horror kind of experience, still arcade like, you know, opening doors of points, but it, it's once again like two swipes, you're dead, sort of thing, hmm. um, and like ammo's precious. It's more of an isolation. Yeah. That's where you can include a squad mate. I think that would be really interesting to see, personally. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting for sure. Yeah. So, who knows? Just shooting the shit here. All right, on to more puzzling stuff for folks. We're going to talk yes. about Death Stranding. Yeah. So, what I have here is a little synopsis and uh, some general fast facts. This comes from Games Radar. Uh, So the fast facts are that the release date is November 8th, 2019. It's developed by Kojima Productions, Productions, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It is on the PS4, but apparently the exclusivity is limited, and it will be on PC sometime next year. Hmm. Anyway, I want to just read this little synopsis that Hideo Kojima posted about Death Stranding, kind of the core theme of the game, and what it's based around. Uh, People have built walls and become accustomed to living in isolation. Death Stranding is a completely new type of action game where the player's goal is to reconnect isolated cities and and a fragmented society. All elements, including the story and gameplay, are bound together by the theme of strand or connection. As Sam Porter bridges, you will attempt to bridge these divisions and in doing so create new bonds or strands with other players around the globe. So it's sort of a, a, a pseudo online only game not online only that's probably the wrong term but pseudo online game where there's mm-hmm. there's some type of interaction happening there uh through your experience playing the game i hope you'll come to understand the true importance of forging connections with others and he says now please enjoy the latest strand death stranding trailer so i i want to just start off by saying i was in the camp of of folks who just i did not fucking care about this game i did not because i i understand people's love for, for hideo kojima i respect it He's a talented developer and and, and director. Uh, He certainly earned his, we'll say, fame. But, you know, even though I enjoyed Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, I thought 4's story was good. I thought 5 was a mess. I thought, you know what, regardless of all this, you know, I can't get excited about something anymore nowadays that I don't know about. And ironically, in the early part of the episode, I was willing to judge Avengers. But still, all that irony aside... um, Mm -hmm. When it came to Death Stranding, I just not knowing it and freaking out over just I'm excited I'm going to buy it anyway because I it's it's an Aoki Kojima. I could not do that, uh, but now that we got this trailer, we have this synopsis, we have these details. I am excited. 
and I do want to play Death Stranding now, especially because I know what some of the gameplay is. I love the tension. I love how it's open world. I like how traversing is a big part of the gameplay. So with that short Spark Notes version of my thoughts, I'll pass it on to you, Adam. Let's, yeah, Spark Notes. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear, uh, let's hear what you think about this game, man. Yeah, this is a game I've actually talked about a lot on the podcast. Anytime any okay. kind of news uh, came out, I was like, it's going in my top three game news. I don't really care. It's just so because... you were really excited just to... Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. The... Cool. So, yeah. perfect. You're on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't think it's more... Going back to Fable 4, it's not that I'm more, like, stoked. Like, I can't wait to play this. It's more just intrigue. Like, I really want to know more and more about this. Okay. It's the way Hideo, um, yeah, uh, it's the way Hideo has been dropping hints about this game, little by little. And I'm just like really excited about what this whole social strand system is, because mm-hmm. uh, out of all the gameplay, out of everything that he's dropped, out of what he's talked about with the story, he's never really gone into full detail about this new thing called the social strand system, or just the social, or the strand game, I think he calls it now. Yeah. So... I'm more curious about how these are. This is going to be this multiplayer, and I don't think with his mindset he wants to do uh, multiplayer. It doesn't seem like he wants to do a traditional game at all. He's not looking for you to get like, oh, this is a great game. This is what sells. This is the formulaic uh, AAA game. He's not looking towards that. What he's looking towards, uh, yeah, expanding your mind, putting you new ideas, and his whole social strand can be this whole mess of things it could be facebook connection even though who uses that probably twitter yeah because it's playstation playstation twitter um good point, good point. yeah and uh, i i think what he's uh intentionally not telling you is how the social strand system and i think that's going to be the biggest part of the game he's oh, only yeah. showing you a little bit but i'm definitely excited uh i don't know last point um uh, and i'll give it to carrick but I don't know if you heard where um, Norman Reedus, he was beyond confused about what the game was to the point where he was asking Hideo, like he, he said he was saying, oh, oh, I was learning more about video games. I was really learning how this is made. So he asked him, he asked Kojima, he said, um, it's like, oh, so that's really cool. They're, they'll be playing as me. And he says, no, they are you and they will cry as you. And Norman's just what? Yeah, that's what Norman says. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but he said like they will be crying as you. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, Carrick, what do you think about those? I could not care less. Oh my! Oh, oh my! There's nothing. It, it's an art project from like a college student to me right now, mm-hmm. which is cool. But I just, I, I, I watched the last trailer like Maddie, and because I'm doing the same thing he is, I'm waiting for something to make me go. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this last trailer did not do it for me. So I, I think when it comes down to it, I think um, especially if you're not in the cult-like following for a lot of developers, which I'm just not, a lot of times whenever anybody talks about this stuff, it usually turns out to be bullshit. It's in some other stat. It's like, here's, yeah. we're going to call it a strand system. That's actually a stat or what, <laughs> you know, and I don't even mean to be negative about it because I'm not, I would love for it to be something amazing, but yeah. If we look at the last 10 years in gaming, mm-hmm. innovation, which I think is usually completely overrated, doesn't, isn't required in games, right? I don't think innovation is always required. And I think people who say there's innovation in a particular game usually are wrong. It's not an innovation at all. It's an iteration. Okay. And people, people sort of blow it out of proportion. Mm-hmm. He wants innovation. 
which mm. that's why I'm interested. Um, yeah. Very, because he sounds like he wants an ovation. Um, but what he's described and what I'm seeing, there isn't anything in that. Mm-hmm. So all I have is what he's talking about, which means nothing to me. Yeah, It's just words that are like, and he sounds like me if I was trying to describe a YouTube video I was going to do in a year. Yeah. So yeah. until I get more, I don't know what to think. So mm-hmm. I just shut all care off until each trailer, you know, each each yeah. uh, video comes out. And then I watch the video and I go, okay, am I getting something? And uh, Maddie's not the only one who was like, I've been waiting. Okay, now I get this part or whatever. That yeah. didn't, I'm not there yet. I saw people get to that point yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also seeing something that I think is the same cult of personality that stuck around Peter Molyneux that I don't like, which is that, like, there's this belief that something is something else because somebody changes the wording for it. Mm. And it's like, that's not something else. That's quite literally, it's like, no, it's not strength. It's brawn. It's like, yeah. fuck you. That's strength. Like, yeah. change the word all you want. Go get a thesaurus. His, mm. his, you will, they will cry as you. If they're playing you, they can cry as you. So what the mm. fuck are you talking about? If, if yeah. he changes everything, I'll be the first one to be like, this is awesome. But I can't see that right now. Because it is like an art. It's almost like when somebody's, it's like a sculptor. They've got a block of stone and they've taken some of it off and you look at it. They know, right? They're like, this is going to be a naked dude with a fucking, you know, holding a bouquet of flowers. And you're all, all I see is a square thing of clay. Yeah. It's, I need more for me to even develop what my thought process is. Because if I look at his past games, mm-hmm. I see games that are good, but nowhere near where most other people put those games. And so, I, so I'm a little like Maddie in that way, where I'm like, okay, they're good, but I'm not getting... So I just hear Peter Molyneux in my head. That's a good point. And, and him in my head, Peter Molyneux saying, you can fucking grow trees. Yeah. No, you can't. You know, yeah. so I don't know where to go. And and so what I do is I just tune out. And that's what I've been doing is I've been I actively to, tuning out. I try to just... Until he does a trailer. Pay attention to the game, what I'm seeing there. Because, like... Yeah, we'll, that's we'll what ta- I do. We'll tail off of what uh, Adam had said that Kojima said about, no, they cry as you. No offense, Adam, but, like, I don't care. Kojima, I don't yeah. care. Because there's a lot of just fanfare around what he says. And that happens with a lot of these all-star developers. Like, when Tetsuya Nomura comes out... And he says something about Kingdom Hearts, and people are like, oh, Tetsuya, like, he's always clowning us. I'm like, no, it just sounds like a guy who has no fucking idea what he's doing half the time, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. because game, game development's confusing. And, you know, Tetsuya's made some of my favorite games, so don't take that as a slap in the face. But that's what no. it sounds like, man. And so, for me, I just, show me the trailer. All right, yeah. perfect, I get it. You know, like, for me, it was like, okay, yeah. strands, connections, yeah. It's mm-hmm. after the world has ended... I don't know much about these creatures. I don't want to know too much. There was enough mystery, but enough to get an idea of what was happening. Like, okay, I get my objective. I get how how the gameplay mechanics are going to work. I get there's more here underneath the surface that I will learn when I play the game. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, now that's all I need to know. I'm I'm sold. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I will play the game now because I I get yeah, it. Yeah, and I. I... I'm sure somebody in the comments is mad at me right now. And they're like, he's a god, but he's not. He's a person. And um, he has totally. to describe things in two languages. Sometimes mm-hmm. that gets yeah, mistranslation becomes an tell. issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm, I just haven't, this trailer didn't do for me what it did for Maddie. So I'm waiting for the trailer that does exactly, even yeah. if I don't like the game when I see, when I do come to that point, 
but I'm not even at that point. Right now, what I see is a bunch of clips, almost like a really poorly done game review, which I've done my, my fair share, where your footage doesn't match up with what you're saying. Maybe you don't have the footage for it, and a person has to listen and watch and try to figure out what matters with what. Mm-hmm. I just saw ladders and babies, a FedEx baby carrier, and I'm just like, I have no fucking... Cl-. like. And for me, I don't get sold on mystery much, and this is probably the one place where I'll say institutional continued failure on gamers uh game developers parts have probably caused me to be this way but whenever anybody sells me too much mystery usually that doesn't work yeah usually and i think that's why it's Mm -hmm. difficult for me because they sell that mystery and you're all uh i'd I'd rather have you sell me the game even if they say it's an art project because dude i've the number of weird games i've liked is fucking crazy Mm-hmm. So it's not like I won't love this. In fact, I might like this game better than the Metal Gears, which wouldn't be that hard because I haven't been. Yeah, I'd be on the same page. An ardent I'd, fan. I'd you know? argue Metal Gear Rising is my favorite. I, in, in, <laughs> in fact, I would say. In fact, I would say there is a much higher chance if I do like this game at all, mm-hmm. I will like this game more than any of the Metal Gear Solid games. There, I, okay. I can because just knowing how much I've liked them and I've rated some a buy, but just knowing where they are, I have a feeling that whenever it clicks. There is actually a chance of me liking this one more. Um, it just hasn't clicked, and maybe it's too smart for me, man. Maybe it's just, maybe it's oh. just my brain needs more. But yeah. he, what he's described, I'm just like I'm like Norman. All right, mm, yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. Right now, I just don't know. I'm so no, confused. Just, uh, you know, just to, just to let you know, like I'm, I'm since I got more chill in my life, I've got, gotten more hipster. You see me like in the stands with like the little weird hat with an IPA. So when it's like a weird college art project, I'm just like. Yeah, it count me in. So I'm just one of those people. I yeah, feel that. that's cool. So yeah, that's cool. Then I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on mm-hmm. Adam. When I look at Death Stranding, what excites me is is less of in a AAA genre where they feel like everything open world, explosive gameplay checklist sells, and it's funny because I just described Rage Two, which I really enjoyed, but there is a lot of that, mm-hmm. and we see Hideo Kojima and his team approaching this with. It seemed like more slower game. I mean, he's describing it as an action game, but all the trailers showed was like crawling around, being yeah. very slow, yeah. Uh, yeah. which I, I liked. I like when an open world game, a AAA title, takes that approach. It's different. Uh, it feels yeah. risky. Um, it shows that it can open the door to a lot of people to something new, that games don't always have to have guns in your hands and crazy shit happening, even though there was gunplay, third-person shooting. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious, is that what kind of started to drag you to this game, that it, it was something different in the terms of its yeah. gameplay experience as well? Or was it just the mystery of Hideo Kojima of creating something new? Uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't the biggest fan of Hideo Kojima in the start. Like, I played the Metal Gear games, but I wasn't, like, totally won over. Like, these are the games mm-hmm. of the year. Um, I was one that didn't give Phantom Pain. Uh, that was Fa- Phantom Pain, the fifth one. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I don't think I gave that a 10 out of 10. So not coming out of this like Hideo is like the best creator okay but i think it, it is what drew me is to say i'm seeing all these formulary mostly there's a lot of games coming out that's not going on with formula of like run and gun shooter like co-op but i think it's it's just so out of this world and hideo just sounds like he's just out of his mind that i just want to experience this game <laughs> not in a sense of like i'm not going to go out and pre-order it mm-hmm. i definitely want to see reviews for it who am i kidding yes i am but not pre-order but it's just i'm so curious of what he's talking about 
and, and it's funny that you brought up the, the gameplay because I saw that, but in another interview that Hideo said, uh, he said that you would be more controlling a camera, that you're not really controlling Norman. You're, you're playing, what did he say? He said you're playing Norman as Sam and you're controlling the camera as him. And if you look down at him, he'll like wink at you and stuff. So it made it seem like you're not actually controlling Norman Reedus, but you're controlling a camera. But then we go back to this trailer and he's walking around. Yeah. He's walking around. You're you're seeing the UI. You're selecting UI. There's a third. Um, there there's a third person shooting. So there is gunplay involved. So it, it's going back to what Carrick said that um, where I, I I can't believe it until I see it because he did change the wording. Uh, maybe I misheard with the whole camera thing, mm. but. I, I think I'm just so interested in it just because it's just so out there that I need to experience it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get think there's that. something to be said for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like, and, and this is with all due respect, when I remove Kojima from the equation, not because of who he is, but just more so like his interviews, they excite folks. And I think a lot of people are just attracted to his personality and, and how devoted he is to his creations. And I, I totally mm-hmm. resonate with that. But for me, I just cut him out of the equation. And outside of that synopsis, like that's all I care about. Cause it was the most direct thing he's probably said about the fucking game. So I was like, all right, that's all that matters. I don't need the, the side interviews and little details. Cause you know, they're humans. They don't, they don't always do the, the recounting of everything they've said in prior interviews and making sure it lines up that, you know, they're, they're in the heat of development. Some things change. I, I don't know. There, there could be, have something have had twisted in development at some point in time that maybe he said you're controlling a camera, but then he was like, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes based off what he does say, it feels like he kind of just puts it, it really out there is, for the sake of it sounding different almost. I don't know. And it really is his name, Hideo Kojima, that I'm really like, because like what you said, if it was just some random developer making this, mm. maybe I'd be less excited, but it, because it is Hideo's mindset and the chip on his shoulder that he has from Konami, um, and starting his no own uh, game studio that I think I'm more intrigued. But if this was just some random indie studio, I think I would be just more or less following it just for the game news than I am invested in it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. I think one of the cool things about this is, um, it, so if you're not into mm-hmm. that that cult of personality following and stuff for a developer, mm-hmm. and you look at something and somebody says, Oh, if this was a different developer, I yeah. probably wouldn't look at it. I, it. It's so interesting to hear that because I've never followed a person, mm-hmm. and so whenever I hear it, I'm always, I'm always trying to figure out how they got there. And yeah. it, I, I see that like Metal Gear games, mm-hmm. and I liked them. By the way, like a couple of them, um, but I've never liked them. Right? Like been like, right. oh yeah. my god. Um, so when I see or hear somebody say that, I always get confused because mm-hmm. I look back and go, "What was it?" Because mm-hmm. the, they're they're ju- the, this is just a third party. Like I don't know if it was the age group, if it was mm-hmm. the time, the system, the competition it had. Um, yeah. So to me, the psychological parts of all this are really interesting to see when it gets released, what people actually say about it. Because I do think that there will be people who give it far more. Um, flexibility than they will give it to others. But what I'm interested in is the tech behind the situation, which is that he and left Konami. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is that for many incredible artists in the world, we have always seen this almost always that they need somebody over the top of them, lording over them, or they go completely batshit insane. Yeah. And this will be the first game where he'll have that ability, right? 
to go mm-hmm. batshit insane. And will it be a good game? I don't know. It may turn out to just be an experience, which this is a guy who put 200 hours of a fucking cutscenes in one of his games or 20 or whatever <laughs> it was, right? So when he, he says Metal you're going to be solved for, they had like a yeah, three Metal hour Gear Solid four. He did yeah. say that going to be long cutscenes in this game. So here's the thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh God. But let's Here add all this together. Let's add all this together. Mm. Norman, oh, no, they'll cry with you. Oh, you're controlling the camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're doing this. What if we? What if this isn't? What if it is a Game of Thrones situation where he's trying to make a game, like a Game of Thrones social situation, where like you feel okay. like you are controlling a movie, yeah, over a long period of time, where maybe the interactivity isn't around the action as we think about it, shooting. Maybe they're shooting, but maybe the action is just movement, mm-hmm. doing stuff. And that the rest of it is him telling a story because he has not had an issue doing insanely long cutscenes prior, and that was under another company's. Yeah. Thumb. So oh, this boy. will be without that. Oh, so yeah. with what with what you guys are saying and what I'm seeing, this is making more sense to me. Eight minute trailer. By hearing what. Yeah, by by what I saw with the trailer and what you guys are saying and what I'm seeing and knowing his past, this could be one of those situations where what he's trying to say in mm-hmm. his vernacular that he can talk about too remember he's some shit he doesn't want to spoil what if it turns out to be because he he knows social media he knows Mm -hmm. that people talk about game of thrones for eight years what if he is trying to somehow get people to talk in that way in a cluttered environment tons of games and maddie and i talk about it six triple a's in one month or something what if he is trying to figure out a way what if crazy shit what if you can go online and download somebody else's story and put it in yours like what if you can make choices and then you know the game goes out and grabs somebody else's version and now you can re-watch it like halo theater if you guys have ever played halo you can play the entire game and rewind it and watch quantum it break in the on theater. Steroids. <laughs> quantum yeah. break on steroids there's something there that i think might mimic what you guys are talking about now again this is a problem because there's no context but what you guys have just described and what his past is, I actually think that that might be where this is going, which I hadn't thought of until we just talked about it. But that feels yeah. to me like that's possible. And that makes me interested, by the way. I'm more, I'm 10 times more interested right now thinking that's what it is than thinking it's a 3D action game. Mm. Yeah. Like in the way we expect, I guess. Yeah, what, what you're putting in my mind, like, you know, I'm so glad you're saying all this because it's making me like really rethink everything. Uh, but there's another game that I can like put side by side by this. Um, the the new game that's coming out, uh, Sea of Solitude, um, who's directed mm-hmm. by Connie Geppert and Yo My Games. Whenever I see her on Twitter, uh, and I just see her very grateful for her audience. She's very grateful for um, yeah. for her path and what she can communicate to her fans. And she doesn't make it seem like what what you describe as like a college art project. She's making it seem like she's very serious about this. She wants to send a message, but also give you a a good game behind mm-hmm. it whereas hideo is just like way out there like you said blurt he yeah blurts. he he just he's one of those experimental music yeah. artists that just say it's like like this is my passion this is my mind and i think it's because he's so unleashed i'm like whoa what are we gonna get from him but like what you said that can lead to just what you said it could be a blurt of a game but whereas Connie Gepper is just so grateful for this opportunity that she just wants to present to you with a game that you'll understand and then you can connect with. Yeah. And it could be a game that in two years from now, we could mm-hmm. all sit down and go, I didn't have that experience like you did. 
Uh, totally. Which is good, too, where mm-hmm. if it is like this, where he's like looking into social media and looking at all this stuff and the threads and the connected but not connected, all that to me does speak to like some kind of adjustment you could make. Because if yeah. it took my, for example, this is a really stupid comparison, but Forza Horizon has drive avatars. So oh. it tracks how Maddie drives mm-hmm. and it downloads it and it feels like Maddie. I've driven actually against friends in real life uh, in mm-hmm. the video game and then had their drive avatar and been like, that's just like Jimmy drives. Like it's yeah. he's rough. He can't take a, this type of corner as well. Like what if there are these instances where your shit gets, you know, injected in and you can choose like how your story progresses because of somebody else doing something. Hmm. It, he's the one, by the way, who would probably attempt that. Yeah. And a company who looks at that and goes, fuck, this could be the next game of Thrones social experiment or social discussion. Dude, the yeah. ne- if, if anybody nails this, they're going to be a multi-billion dollar company because yeah. it will be the first time. Look at Netflix. They tried uh, with Bandersnatch. They tried with their interactive uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's not the first time it will have even been attempted. It didn't, but they tried. You could tell yeah. they were trying to figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I don't do, Man, now I'm interested. <laughs> do you think the BTs have anything to do with the social strategy? Do you think that's just a random enemy in the game? I think they're they they're designed to be know. like a, a threat outside of those soldiers that attack you, kind of like a, a more yeah. a, a threat that you tackle in a different manner. I think that's the purpose they serve. To obviously, there's going to be a narrative reason to it, but I feel they're designed to sort of because uh, when they displayed them in the trailer and they uh, not just this recent one but previous ones, they are sort of this invisible threat that you you know you could yeah. just be trekking along in the world like you normally do, and then you just got to stop and go. Okay, even though this is just like they show in the trailer, it's just a forest. Just going from point A to point yeah. B like usual. This forest has now become its own level and its own mm-hmm. experience as I crawl through it while it's raining. And if this thing spots me, it's going to pull me in this black sludge. And whoever who knows what happens then. They say you don't die in the game. You can't die. So who knows if what we saw in the trailer where it like takes over you and like sends you out somewhere else. If that's actually what happens in game, um, mm-hmm. that, that'll be interesting to see. And if you do pick up as someone else. If that's mm. maybe the the interesting multiplayer mechanic that's attached to this, um, we'll see. We shall mm. see. Well, hey. I and I I do want to just add. I Go don't think we're done seeing because you you mentioned uh, an example. I do not think we're done, whether it's him or not, done seeing a Quantum Break style game. We're not. No. Somebody's no. going to continue to try. Microsoft was early. There were issues with how it was delivered, and the game wasn't the greatest technology wise. But right. That that indicates that these companies are trying. And, I mean, it is hard to grasp how big Lost, yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, I'm trying to think of the other big social game uh, TV shows. But it is Breaking some game. Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. There are game companies look at that and go, how do we figure, especially now, because we've talked about this, games as a service is them attempt. to They're attempting to do it, but it's not working. But, yeah. like, imagine something like this where somehow a developer figures out a way to get us on Facebook, just like people were talking about Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. saying, like, did you see what Norman did today? And remembering that Norman, I've followed him since his Blade Three Days and before yeah. Boondock Saints and all that shit. I've um, followed him for a long time. I've followed him since Boondock Saints. I, I, he's He's awesome. But that's something that an actor like him could definitely buy into because he was not happy. I don't know if you guys know this. He was actually getting unhappy on uh, Walking Dead because they weren't having him do as much interaction and stuff. And then that sort of shifted over. And now he's he's doing more. Now mm-hmm. he's doing all of it. But 
that's the type of actor that would probably buy into this. Like, mm. and in a weird way, I love that he has no preconceived notion. He's like, I got to learn about games. I have no clue what this fucker's saying, but I'll just go with it. That's the type of actor you would want. Because oh, if you absolutely. get a solid actor, easy they're like, yeah, and they're like, where's my, where's the thing I'm acting against or blah, blah, blah. And instead it seems like Norman's like, fuck, whatever, I trust him. I'm just going to show up and mm. do what I need to do. I love the idea of something hugely socially interactive yeah. because we say we're socially interactive and we are with discord, but they're all separated. Like mm. I imagine this right now, whenever I get a group together, it's usually discord is the voice mm. connection. And then we're playing a game, right? Like usually yeah. we're using two or three different programs. If there was a way for somebody to get everything together into a game and then get you excited about the outcome somehow. Yeah. Now I'm more excited than I've ever been. Now I'm literally excited for a game that I have no clue if it's going to be that. But now I, I hope it lives I, up for your, to your expectations. Dude, <laughs> ah, this happened with Spider-Man. This is exactly this what this was not my fault. You did yeah. that to yourself. <laughs> I did. I did. I need to shut up. But now I'm really excited. So I, I'm waiting for the next trailer. Are we supposed to see one at E3? Uh, Another no, one? Now it's or, PlayStation. So I'd imagine Gamescom maybe. Uh, Gamescom. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like what? Uh, company could show this off and it's not really a square enix title uh it's not a ubisoft title microsoft's not going to show it uh, so i don't think there's really anywhere that it could be placed that it makes sense i think it's yeah, gonna, true it's going to be a probably gamescom and then like obviously yeah. a standard launch trailer come yeah. november um now, can i ask you too a question uh, uh Carrick, you brought up you know the, microsoft wants to do kind of a quantum break again we we just got word that uh xbox is going to be showing off 14 exclusive games i i think they showed the word exclusive do you think it one of those exclusive games is going to be a game like quantum break i don't think they'll make a quantum break too but do you think they'll uh, try it again specifically microsoft um i don't know if microsoft will because quantum break was a pretty big loss leader for them yeah it actually caused some financial so issues sad. i like that game um Mm -hmm. um, and I would have liked it even more because I did like a lot of it. If it ha didn't have the weird technical issues, the way it drew its frames was interpolated. There was all these little, there was blurring. There was all this weird tech stuff. I just like how they it. got Littlefinger's actor um, in that game. Dude, I just great. like, I actually watched the cutscenes, by the way. I actually watched the show that mm -hmm. went with it. Like I was that invested. Um, yeah, it's good. Do I uh, think, I think that Microsoft has some plans that, Maddie, are we recording? We are recording. Yes. We're not live, right? We are just recording. 327. Let me think real quick. I got to think about what I can talk about. Um, yeah, it's 628 over here. Yeah. I, I Yeah. Um, you can leave that in, Maddie. I was, okay. I, I'd rather not talk too much about it because. All right. They're, see if it's true Dude, or not. There's some rumors. Command. Yeah. I, I, I'm just. I think Microsoft has a couple things. I don't think they're at the level that you're talking about, no. Okay, not, yeah. not with, like, the Quantum Break thing. I wish they did, because, like I said, I... I I've heard like... some interesting rumors about studio acquisitions coming up for them, but... Yeah, me too. I, I don't think anything lines up with, like, a But they're not... Quantum yeah. Break. yeah. Yeah, they're, no. they're, they're very interesting, but they're not in the thought process of that. I don't think Microsoft is prepped for that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think Microsoft is more prepped for getting Game Pass up and running on PC and mm -hmm. sort of getting their shit together and letting those great big projects like that let let them go for three years gotcha. or four years, mm -hmm. that, personally. All right. Yeah. 
Well, let's steer this back towards our last topic before the Patreon questions, which is the Anthem Roadmap. Uh, this should be relatively brief because this broke right as uh, we were getting ready to record. Carrick, let mm-hmm. us know, and this is a very popular post on Reddit right now by user underscore Robbie. It says, Anthem's online roadmap has been redesigned, removes all time frames and references to any specific future content. Yeah. That's, uh, actually it says currently in Anthem, fixes, op- improvements, optimizations. Yeah. Wow. Say all you want about Fallout 76, but at least they're trying. <laughs> That's the thing. It's actually home. Wait, I saw a comment. Real mm-hmm. question is, will the roadmap state when they shut down the servers, given how the player base is tanked faster than even 76? Then someone says 76 was so much worse, but it always had the advantage of being Fallout. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that, because I feel like Fallout's not what kept that game alive. Yeah, would you say that it's an advantage following Fallout 4? Yeah, I, I wouldn't at all. I, I'd say it was more of a reason to walk away because people were disappointed with Fallout 4. Not everyone. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I know a lot of other people, whenever I stream it, they're like, I, I love this game so much. But I know there was a lot of people who were concerned or wanted improvement, wanted to see Bethesda do another single-player one, and like I, I don't think it being Fallout saved it. Granted, mm-hmm. that's just one commenter. I'm not like, ha- attacking them by any means, but yeah, I personally feel like Anthem's falling apart sake just because i mean look it was the number two for a while best-selling game of this year it was Mm -hmm. it was set to do fine they they just rushed the game out i wouldn't even say rushed because they had so much time to work on it they just it was poorly managed that's why a a big theme in a lot of my videos over the last couple of months ever since anthems happened and we've seen uh, final fantasy 7 i'll bring it up again kingdom hearts 3 finally releasing is like product management i think is more important than ever in a discussion nowadays because it's such an overlooked thing that now that we've seen what happens when you don't manage the team and your your directions and your goals properly what you get where you have a game that its roadmap completely disappears pretty much they're just like we don't know when this is going to get out because they're probably looking at it going are we going to even keep supporting this? The the rumor, not even the rumor, but people were posting online saying that actually you could not find a match in Anthem. This game just came out three months ago and it was a games as a service title, like designed to keep players hooked in. Now look at Destiny, how years later you can, you can go to the original Destiny and find a match. And that was what, 2013? And you're telling me Anthem this year? I mean, look, this doesn't lie on the laurels of a series or a company. It's just a game that came out. People were not impressed. It was technically faulty. Mm-hmm. Maybe the general gameplay felt good. I could agree with that because I thought even Andromeda's gameplay felt great. But at the end of the day, there was not much here. There was not much here. And so I think that's why it fell apart. And there was nothing to follow afterwards. And what did follow afterwards was it just showed Bioware really dove into a genre they don't understand, mm-hmm. I-, I think. You know, when you look at some of the choices they made, like based off how they tried to increase players playing by augmenting the grind in a negative fashion, uh, even Bethesda Game Studios was guilty of that. But fortunately, they patched it a lot quicker than Anthem. Uh, I think that's also the difference. Fallout 76 got on top of things, albeit it, it took a while to get Wild Appalachia rolling and everything. Fallout 76 get on, did get on top of stuff a lot sooner than I think Anthem did, if you ask me. What do you guys I think mean, of this roadmap? You go ahead and go first, and then I'll I'll give my piece uh, about about Anthem, this new roadmap. Just general yeah. thoughts. 
Sorry, I just got a text. And I was just making sure. No, nope. like... you're good, dude. You're good. Yeah. Um, I feel sad about it, honestly, because um, did uh, both of you read um the article coming out about how uh, Anthem's uh, mismanagement was? Uh, it was written by um Jason Schreier. Did you read yes. that one? Yes. I read that, and I just felt so bad that I blamed the devs because like it was so mismanaged and they they really had no say in it uh it was really the upper management that didn't direct them enough and now exactly. now we're coming to, yeah and now we're coming to the point where all of their hard work i'm sorry about these uh discord no dude you're good you're good uh, it's okay no it's no yeah. worries yeah um but i'm just so sad that like they put in all this work so much work that they got so stressed out that they never came back uh mm-hmm. i i think they said that one dev used to go into a closet and cry his eyes out because he was under so much stress, right? And now we're coming to the point that that person in particular, right, the, the kind of stresses he, he went through, now it's not being supported. So it, it's just sad to me. Like, Fallout 76 was really bad on, on, on launch, in, in my opinion, anyway. I, I know a lot of people said, yeah, it was, it was fine, some people say. But at least they they made an effort to like put it at a state where it's just like listen, you guys who bought into it, you can enjoy it. But Anthem, it just felt like you know what? No, they, we're not gonna even gonna like give it the time of day anymore. It's just really sad to me to think mm-hmm. about. Carrie, what about you? <laughs> what whatever game we got, mm-hmm. like a game has to be truly worth nothing. Mm-hmm. for me to give it a, a never touch because that really means I just think the core gameplay loop is broken at some point. That game was broken for what it was trying to do. I mean, the shipping you back home after every three minutes, the fucking indie, it, just all the shit that was going on. I think it's sad, mm-hmm. but at some point, can you fix something that seems so intrinsically built into the game engine and everything? I don't know if you can. And so I completely agree that it sucks to go through that and um, have these horrendous times and have it not continue. But at the same time, sometimes if you got diabetes, you got to cut the foot off so you don't lose a leg, right? It's like at some point you look at this and go, what are we going to do? No one's playing the fucking game. Mm -hmm. Do we keep throwing money at it and possibly lose our devs, more stress? Maybe the devs themselves are like, let's work on something else. Dragon Age 4, right? That's that's a Dragon Age 4 project. Yeah, and and you learn. Mm -hmm. That's the only positive a lot of people are going to get out of this, to be honest, is including us as gamers, Mm -hmm. is that you learn, um, like, what a truly bad, uh, like, a truly bad gameplay cycle feels like. Because I would say that felt bad. Like, it didn't feel poor. It didn't feel like it wasn't working. It felt bad. Um, it's It's sad, but, dude, I'm not surprised. They went from being the number one sold game for two months to not yeah. being on the top 50. 50 played games on Xbox Live. Dropped 50. Off a cliff. Yeah, within 50. A month, right? Xbox. Xbox. Xbox yeah. doesn't even have as many games as PS4. And it was at fucking yeah. less. Than, or it, was above, it, was, it was like past the 50, 1 to 50 level. That's crazy, man. That's, yeah. And that indicates no one's playing. So what do you do? Do you keep throwing money into this black hole to try to fill it up with dirt and then hopefully build something scaffold on top of it? Fallout 76 had a completely different issue, by the way. Fallout 76 actually had gameplay. You continued to explore inside the world. Whether you liked it or not, you could still stay in there. 
Anthem mm -hmm. quite literally did not allow you to. It would Unless be like, you nope, mission, you're coming right? back home. Yeah, you're coming back home. You're coming, and you're just like, what is happening with everything that's going on? So I actually agree that Fallout 76, while I did not like it at all, I, I, I think it makes sense. People are still plodding around in there, and they're still looking at, at improving stuff. Where with this, maybe it's best to just be like, mm -hmm. this, it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, how how much mm -hmm. time do we expect somebody to put into it too? Like. Mm. At some point, you do have to be like, because I want the uh, devs to keep their jobs. That's like one of the things you always hear me talk about is like, I I don't like the end of the thing where they people get fired when, mm -hmm. you know, you ship your game finally and people are just going to hate that shit. Um, so the idea of throwing money away into Anthem when maybe you could recoup it and, and keep, a keep your devs. people. Yeah. Like, yeah, and keep your people. That's experience, man. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a job where you fire somebody, but if you fire somebody, even if they're a shit worker, usually you just lost a ton of experience. It's one of the reasons why a lot of companies don't want to fire somebody because they're like, that's data. This person has this data. So I would rather keep those developers and say, the data here is that Anthem didn't work. Mm -hmm. Sucks. Mm -hmm. Move on. I, I don't think anybody feels like they're losing anything if it goes away either. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think... I think it's going to go away, and I don't want to say it in a pessimist way, I, but I, I just feel it's going to go away because no one's really attached to it. The yeah. only only discussion I see, even Fallout 76 has built this community of, you, you can hear positive discussions about the people playing the game, not that Anthem's community is bad, by the way, but the people who play the game, the people you meet, really good people. At least there is a roadmap. You see a clear, concise future in Bethesda yeah. concluded and actually lived up to their word day and date except for one delay for each of the Fallout 76 DLCs. That signifies that there is a commitment to the product, whereas Anthem has wavered, changed their mind, and they, they mismanaged it even after launch, where that's why I feel there's not an attachment to it, where people are just stopping playing because they're ready for it to go away. They're like, they're not, yeah. they don't know what they're doing right now. And it just, like I said, I, I think Bioware made a game that they weren't ready or aware of what was required to make it. And they didn't have the right engine as well as we saw in that Jason Trier story. They did not have the right engine to make this game. Whereas I think with Dragon Age 4, hopefully if they, they take the rebound approach, they do resurge through this and go like, yes, man, like here we go. We're back and we're better than ever. Let's make a good RPG. That's at least the optimist in me. I know the, the Bioware that I love and that Carrick loves and Adam, I'm not sure about you, but, you know, oh. I, I I love that golden age of Bioware, going back to KOTOR, Dragon Age Origins, Jade Empire, just to name a few, Mass Effect, of course, where just they were trying new things, man, and it was constantly yeah. working. And, like, they were not only working, but they were fucking, like, well-oiled machines. Mm -hmm. um, I don't expect those days to come back. But even I can say, for example, that while I did not enjoy Inquisition at all, that there were some parts about it that were redeemable, that were enjoyable, that showed that Bioware can make... Um, quality single player RPGs if they account for a little more feedback. I thought the changes to yeah. the combat were smart. I thought some of the world spaces, not the, the, the mission structure, but the world spaces were inviting. I thought the whole ruler, uh, I forgot there's an actual name for it, but where you're, you're sitting on the throne literally deciding people's fate. Yeah, I, li I like that stuff. Very cool. There was great yeah. ideas. The companions were solid. There was stuff to like about it where I didn't see reason to abandon that Bioware and go to Anthem where the industry was trending and treading water. I didn't see a reason yeah. for that. I think, like I said, I have to repeat it, Bioware just went to a place where they didn't know what they were doing just because they felt that their games would not survive in, in an age where 
mm-hmm. you know, there was constant updates. Because what happens is, look at Inquisition and its DLC structure. How long did it take Inquisition to get its first, like, substantial piece of mm-hmm. DLC? It took a while. And it probably a, while. a lot of the player base dropped off by then. So they have to rely on those first-time sales. And then you got to reach and hope that the DLC keeps people invested. But you got to take your time and make something quality. And I've heard good things about the Inquisition DLC. So what I'm saying, and if I'm saying in defense of Inquisition, I think that says something, because I really don't like the game. Um, I think it betrays a lot of what Dragon Age has stood for. But I, I will say that I hope in response to this that they say, okay, let's put this behind us. Let's leave Anthem. You know, if they can find a way to make it survive, that'd be great for the people who do care. But if they have yeah. to leave it behind, let it be for a reason to empower another game and another team to, to make Dragon Age 4 the game yeah. that says Bioware is back or Bioware still has it and Bioware is not getting shut down. Cause it's almost like with the discussions that happen with Anthem and Bioware, like people are keen for this company to get shut down. Yeah. They're not a shadow of their former selves, but there's no. still but... humans working there who have jobs and there are still companies who have made great games and still have the potential to make even great games. That doesn't mm-hmm. get lost unless you're Konami. <laughs> um, yeah. And and even though they did put out the Castlevania Anniversary Collection and they're doing the Contra one, which people are excited about, so maybe I'll have to revoke that a little bit. But I just think, man, that like we gotta we gotta take a little more of a positive approach on this one because we don't want this company to go away. Because then what? We just lost some of the most talented RPG developers. That's mm-hmm. huge. It's just yeah. where I stand. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Manny, did you hear? I think it just came out today. That uh, Baldur's Gate one and two are going to be coming out on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. I no, saw that, that. Didn't, that came that was out a while ago. I didn't see that at all. I saw that yeah, b- today. Yeah, yeah Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Unless I'm going crazy, I the was looking pack? at it. Yeah, yeah, the enhanced pack. We were we were looking we were talking about it yesterday, and I, unless I I may have found a news article that went out early, but we were in voice chat yesterday oh. because I was excited about Baldur's Gate three, and I said Baldur's Gate on the Switch, and we looked it up, and we all went to a a website so yeah I'm, I'm glad you said that just because i saw the article and i was like am i crazy am i am i crazy to think that like this came out already but i was like you know what L- like you like maybe i just like saw a rumor before and now it's official but yeah now it's on the switch it's very cool i'm looking well, right now and this is this was an article released today in every article about Baldur's gate uh yeah. Baldur's gate plant maybe this is what you saw kara because they have Planescape Torment, which I yeah, think was Neverwinter also... Nights, Baldur's Gate. Yeah, mm-hmm. all having yeah. enhanced editions coming this fall. I really want to do Baldur's Gate. I've heard really good things about that. Icewind Dale, wow, Neverwinter Nights. Isn't that like old Bioware? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's old school Yeah, the, yeah oh, it's, they're my favorite games of all time. Like I said yesterday on Twitter, unless KOTOR 3 was announced, you won't see me happier than I am right now. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. talking about those games, so I don't know if I found an early article or something but mm-hmm. that's why i went on for about 80 80 tweets yesterday yeah i, I saw you like, tweeting up about it that's yeah, how i was I found out about a it. storm i was just like oh my god september 24th in north america and, september 27th and, in the uk that's uh, one of the reasons why i'm excited because the switch is perfect for um they also adjusted it now so on the switch versions you have full um control of your characters versus just real time so mm-hmm. when you walk around the city normally you would click with a mouse and they would go to your mouse now in the switch versions you can actually control them with your thumbstick and move them awesome. around awesome yeah, yeah so I'm it's looking... more it's more modern 
says the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition pack, if you're curious, includes Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition and Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Edition, both including DLC and restored quest content, plus the Baldur's Gate Siege of Dragonspear expansion. There's also new content from Beamdog intended to bridge the gap between the games. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome because I've never played those games. That is freaking mm-hmm. awesome. As for Planet Planescape Torment Enhanced Edition and Icewind Dale Enhanced Edition pack, both games are included, as is all their DLC. And the Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition bundles of the beloved up, wait bundles up. Sorry, the beloved yeah. 2002 RPG and all DLC, promising ten standalone D and D based adventures featuring co-op and online multiplayer. Holy smokes! Yeah, and Icewind then, Dale's probably my favorite, just because it's a little bit more action packed than Baldur's. Wow. But they're, they're, I can't wait. Yeah, awesome, super awesome news, awesome, awesome news. All right, well. With all of that, we have just one more segment in what is a lengthy episode. Adam, you're good on time, right? We're not we're not pushing oh, yeah. you by any means. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Feel free to stop me at any point. Okay, so let's go ahead and as I jot down this timestamp and make a million typos, let's get into questions from the Patreon. So um, if you are a patron, you're new maybe because um, sometimes patrons will message me and be like, hey, Maddie, I'm new here. I don't know what's going on. Like, I literally got a message with that. I was like, here's a Discord invite. You can join up. You can chat with us. Um, They asked me how to submit Patreon questions. So what you do is you go to our Discord server. Once you join the Patreon, it should automatically link you. If it doesn't, you send me a message on Patreon. I'll send you an invite. You're good to go. Once you go there, there is a section that has that little hashtag, which I don't know what it's actually called for Discord. But anyways, it says podcast questions. Click on that and you type your questions. So we have a lot of questions yeah. let's get into it uh wow where to start professor grim he changed he changes his name every week this is the grim blade and he he changed it again just before the podcast because he said oh just in time because someone called him professor grim so he just ate that up what pc yeah. specific games would you like to see added to the pc xbox game pass oh man so, you want to go for- well i mean the problem is is those are the games that are already like coming, um, Beam Dogs games, right? That's PC what I was specific. thinking of. I instantly yeah, those of... are those are quite literally the games that um, uh, PC specific games that are I would have said uh, Divinity, but they already came to console. Yeah. Well, Divine Divinity, um, which was prior to Divinity mm-hmm. Original Sin, which was from the nineties, oh. was oh. one of my favorite games of all oh, time. I got so it. I would... Fallout One and Two. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Divine Divinity, Fallout, um, yeah. Nox. Nox is fucking amazing, actually. So I would say Nox above all others. I don't know if they can get it working on current technology. Any ideas, Adam? It's a, it's uh, a tough question. I was about to say, I, I didn't read the article in full. So this uh, Game Pass on PC, right? So is it going to be totally separate from the Xbox Game Pass? Is it going to be all new games, or is this going to be what's on your game pass is coming to pc they are trying to make it that close they have not yet okay yeah the future is that if it's a pc title it'll be on pc and on xbox if the xbox title will be on both as long as it's available that's the hope in the future that they're trying to go because i definitely want to see the halo war games make it on there but i think that's a given like Mm. that has to be on there um other than that i'm drawing a blank i mean it's a tough question yeah. Oh, I I just thought of like oh you know Kotor, but I just saw on the Xbox Game Pass app that it's it's leaving soon from Game Pass. I was like, what? Yeah, I know. Right. I have it on PC, so I wasn't too bummed, but Fucking I didn't get it. Yeah, 
because it keeps crashing on me pc i know you were playing kotor as like a series and then you stopped because like you're, you're lost my yeah, save, file. save file and that's what happens to me so i was really excited to play on the xbox hopefully my save uh, file didn't corrupt but mm-hmm. i would like to see them on pc on the game pass but i'm other than that i'm drawing it blank honestly okay so then we'll move yeah. to the next question which comes from yeah. johnny ac do you guys have any oddly specific nitpicks in games that prevent you from enjoying said game? Mm-hmm. I like this one. I like this yeah. one. This gives me an excuse to be an asswipe. Let's hear it, Adam. You knew right away. You were like, mm-hmm. Oh, I got one. Uh, this, this goes into, like, whenever I read comics, it's honestly the artwork. Like, if it's not... It's not necessarily the graphics, right? It's not realistic graphics, but it's just the art design behind it, right? Uh, I wasn't into... Continue like, talking. I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't originally into Life is Strange at first because I just could not get behind the art style of Life is Strange, but I grew to appreciate it. But as soon as I open up a comic, as soon as I open up a game, like if I see the art direction, I'm just like, I don't know. I just can't get behind it. Mm. And I know that sounds like really trashy, but it, it really is the art style that I really get behind. Okay. Interesting. Mm. I like that. Uh, oh, man. Hmm. I think for me, a nitpick is certain, um, re- would it be a nitpick, I guess, but repetitive mm-hmm. lines, uh, most notably in JRPGs where you're in combat and they'll, they'll say like, here I go, here I go. They keep like repeating that same thing over and over. And it's like, I just feel like it's such a, it doesn't destroy the game. It's just like, this is such a lack of self-awareness. You should know. Oh, when you test the game, like that, this is something that you hear a lot of. And if let's say it's a JRPG, you're spending 40 hours in here. Here I go. Here I go. Take this, take that. Like just repeating it. It's like, okay, all right, enough. Record like 10 more lines, just randomly generate them. And that's all you got to do. I guarantee you, you're breaking like what an extra hundred bucks to make your game infinitely better and less annoying. Just do it. That That's my <laughs> nitpick for sure. Just little audio things. No, I feel you there. Yeah. I would say probably um, the lack of audio in in a game. It it's not it won't instantly stop me from playing, but like Outer Worlds, I feel was five like times less engaging. Huh? Outer or Worlds. Out. Yeah. Um, not Worlds. And uh, sorry, it, it was um, it was about ten times less engaging because of not having voice. Mm. And even bad voice, I probably would take over reading a paragraph. I just, my brain starts to. It, it, there's a difference between holding a piece of paper in your hand too and reading. Like you'll hear people say, "I can read a book, but I can't read a Kindle." Which there's scientific studies that prove that, like for some people, that is an issue. And for me, apparently, reading online just doesn't work as well. And mm-hmm. I, I just I get really bored really quick reading like 17 pages. Additionally, it, don't write out a paragraph, but have him say one sound. That'll kill my soul. Dragon, dragon. Uh, what was the fighting game that we we both reviewed, Maddie? Um, crazy, game. crazy dragon, Dragon Ball dragon fighters. Ball fighters. Oh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z in the single player campaign, you would you would hit a, a button and the character would go like ah, and then it'd be a full paragraph of nothing, and you'd have to yeah. read it. Then you'd hit oh. a button and be like ooh, and it'd be a full paragraph. Oh. And it's just a sound. <laughs> you did Danganronpa. Like, <laughs> it's it, it hits you with like smaller text blurbs, but it's still that like yeah. okay, and like you see can't like handle them like philosophizing their their entire life. Like it, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Can't handle it. Can't handle it. So th- that those would be mine. Yeah. yeah, just to piggyback off that with the Outer Wilds, uh, I'm more of an auditory person. Like whenever I read something, I just don't pick it up. 
So I spent like three hours in that game when they're saying like, go search for something, go, go find out the mystery. I'm like, I don't understand what I'm looking for necessarily. Right. Like just go right. in space. Mm-hmm. What am I looking for? But I think it's just because I wasn't reading the text right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, some and, and when they're eclectic games like that, where there's a lot of freedom and you're supposed to just look around, if they mm-hmm. tell you to look around, then some of the mysteries miss. So instead, they just sort of hint that you're supposed to, and then you can miss that, especially if you're not a big reader, if you're not a big fan of reading right. through video game text. Right mm-hmm. on. Chances we get Watchdog at E3, asks Mike Fury. 100%. Yeah, I think it's pretty high. What game? Watch uh, Dogs what? 3, as my voice cracks. Fuck, I hope not. Wow. Really? Why? Because 2 fucking sucked, man. No, wow, man. I hope Watch Dogs is canceled completely. Is there a rumor that 3 is coming? Yeah. Yeah. In the UK, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be said. Oh, in London, yeah. Oh, God, I hope not. I, no, I, I enjoy 2. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with 2. Like, I don't think it was the best game ever. I, I bought it when it was on sale for like six bucks, and I think that's why I enjoyed it more. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought, I thought so, one was underrated, too. I, I enjoyed, yeah, I I enjoyed did too. that series. Yeah. I thought I, 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 the, the hipster bullshit sock weapon attack that he had, like everything about that. Mm-hmm. All, I, all, I, all I could see was a dude running around in tapered pants. I wanted to kick him off a fucking flight of stairs. I hated that character. <laughs> Um, but I will say this. I was just joking. I didn't absolutely hate the game. I gave it a wait for a sale. But it it, um, it didn't speak to me like one did. One, for whatever reason, worked a little better. Two, I think, I think one was Sam- a little gritty. Because, like, people, yeah, people always was. want a lovable protagonist. And mm-hmm. I don't yeah. quite resonate with that train of thought. I understand why you want it. But, like, that's why I enjoyed Rise of the Tomb Raider. Because I thought Lara sucked in many ways. And it felt almost intentional. Like, she was supposed to be flawed. And she made yeah. immature decisions. And I like the same thing with Aiden Pearson, Watch Dogs 1, where he was very much selfish. He was very yeah. absorbed about yeah. his family and his struggles. He did not care who got affected. I like that. So, sorry. And I cut you off, also though. went sort of comic booky and a guy with his fucking helmet yeah. that fucking, you know, had L- LCDs on it to write out what he was mm-hmm. thinking. Like, that shit, I was so fucking done with that. But, yeah. um, I, no, I, w- I, was, I was joking about hating it, but I... I I'd heard this morning that there was supposed to be a rumor of it coming. Um, I think that where it's supposedly set, which is London, was probably a better idea than, like, Japan, which I think Maddie and I might have talked about a couple months ago. It was like, where would that be set? And uh, Japan would also be cool. Japan would be very cool for... I think the high-tech... Because I think yeah. I, it might have been you, it might have been somebody else, but we were talking about the high-techness of Watch Dogs would work really well in a place yeah. known as the Tech Mecca. That would be very cool to see. So. Yeah, that's why it made sense in San Francisco in the second one. It was it very, did, yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. So I, I also like the picking the the selection rather of the setting because I feel like uh, UK setting. I I I'm sure there's a million and one, um, but I I can't think of any. I can think it of it feels like, less used. Whether it really by, is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I feel like we're seeing a rise in Japanese and Chinese themed settings, but uh, I I don't feel like. I've seen the UK in general as often. I think the only one that comes to mind, and I, I might not even be right on this, was Syndicate in the yes, UK? Uh, yeah, yes, London. It was. That's the only thing that comes to mind, really. Uh, Forza Horizon Four was set in London. Oh, or, yeah, UK, not London. Okay, UK. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So, in answer to your question, Mike, I think we are indeed getting Watch Dogs Three. Kopi says or asks, "What are your thoughts on Pokemon Sleep?" creepy weird yeah 
I, don't I think know it's... what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> Sleep? Yeah, so... This is, is it like a pajama set you buy? I'm getting creeped oh, out now. You don't know what they're calling the thing. So it's this little um, Pokemon circle thing that, that lays in your bed. It's not like a Fitbit watch, but it lays on your bed, and they're calling it, kid you not, the Pokemon Go Plus Plus. That's what they're calling it. The Pokemon and Go Plus Plus. It sits in your bed? Yeah, it Pokemon sits on your Sleep bed. is Pokemon Go, but for bedtime. <laughs> yeah. And so it tracks how much you sleep, and that will affect the gameplay. So I, I'm assuming what they're going to do with it is whenever you have an egg to hatch, instead of like walking, it tracks like, did you have a full seven hours, eight hours of sleep, and then the egg will hatch? They didn't say how it's going to affect the game, but I think it's okay because it's coming from Nintendo. And Nintendo is very whimsical, very childlike, whereas if it came out of Google, I'd be creeped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Uh, it says, the Pokemon company said Tuesday that Pokemon Sleep will turn sleeping into entertainment much in the same way Go turned walking into entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the app was unveiled at the Pokemon press conference. Uh, it's set for release in 2020 and will work with a Nintendo a device called the Pokemon Go Plus Plus. This is not a joke. It is yeah. the real actual name. The preferral will help you track your sleep and monitor sleep patterns. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Go Plus Plus will also continue like its predecessor to be used like a regular Pokemon Go Plus during the day, but will connect to your phone via Bluetooth to send sleep data through the night. Basically, Pokemon Go Plus Plus is adding the type of functionality you tend to get with most smartwatches and tethering it to a Pokemon video game. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Sleep is being developed by Select Button, which recently worked on the mobile Pokemon game Magikarp Jump. What the f- fuck? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Uh- um now i i mean i i get it i feel like as i want to say stupid because i feel like there's there's some good intentions here but as silly as it all is it Mm -hmm. kind of fits what they've been doing yeah it it fits nintendo's realm uh which i wasn't surprised about but if it came out of any other company i would be like what is it yeah really intrusive feeling you're like oh it's it's nintendo it's okay (laughs) Well, is it is it coming out of Nintendo or just Niantic? Uh, they mentioned I, this, the Pokemon company. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Which is part of Nintendo, but um, but still, I, I, I trust the Pokemon company more than... Like, if, as long as it's a branch off of Nintendo, mm-hmm. I'm more trusting of it than any other company. Like, if it was from Microsoft or Sony, then I would be like, what is the deal here? Right, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bearded Panda asks, what is your fondest E3 experience? Person you met, game revealed while you were there, or funny moment in transit? So, Adam, have you not been to E3? I have not, no. Okay, so how about a moment for you that in general was your fondest E3 experience here at home? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I saw that question, and this answer is going to make it seem like like I haven't watched since, since uh, I was a kid. <laughs> But there, there's two that come in mind. One very recently, which was the Starfield reveal. And it was just a magical moment for me because it was just years and years of thinking, like, is this actually a game? Like, And Pete Hines mm-hmm. said, like, you don't even know what it's talking about. You don't even know if it's a game or not. And we, we got all these rumors. And um, I remember Skolzy had, a, like, a lot of, like, trademark things. Like, oh, no, it's a real thing. Right, right. Just the logo. I'm not trying to say, that, like, I'm excited for the game. Like, it's fine. It was just that moment of, like, this is real. 
Like mm-hmm. it's actually real. All the speculation was here, and it was just like a moment of like, we were specul- right. <laughs> right it's real it's it's so awesome like it's just it was just awesome mm-hmm. to know that it was real uh the second one is from actually the first e3 which i was only four years old so i, I don't, it's not like I remember it but it was when uh steve race came up and said the price of the playstation the the famous 299 line and like okay. it was right yeah so it was following i, I believe uh Carrie, you can correct me on this i think steve rafe was race was formerly of sega right yeah yeah so steve rafe was formerly of sega and Sega came up and, and released a Saturn at the ridiculous price of four hundred dollars. Yeah, four hundred. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. <laughs> and then uh, PlayStation comes up and starts like saying like, "Oh, we're about to introduce uh, the PlayStation One." But I didn't call it PlayStation One; just PlayStation. And it's like, and we have Steve Race, formerly of Sega, say like, "Oh, he's going to say the price two ninety nine." And just walks off the stage. That's all he needed oh to say. Just like a drop of the mic kind of. And that was at the first E3. So I believe that was at the first E3. And it just kind of like set the tone for the whole conference. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I think uh, my favorite moment was probably E3 2016. It was my first E3. And I had the chance to spend pretty much a week with Lone, who was a former host on the podcast, as both of you know. But for those who are listening, maybe they're new. We had a host, Lone Vault Wanderer, who... Uh, when he did a face reveal, he worked for the government in Australia at the time, so he could not do both at the same time because he was involved in like law and video games. So, if he kind of like showed any type of bias, it, it would not have it would not have been feasible to balance two. And then he ended up working at Bethesda, is now an Australian community manager. So it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, meeting him and uh, Mackenzie, who is Camelworks, uh, and spending a whole week with them and just seeing like we gelled online. Clearly, I consider them very good friends. But you don't know. Yeah, really till yeah. you meet in person and for it to be not only like as great as it was but for to see it evolve and develop where you're like if i live next to these guys we'd be best friends and you just know it um i think that was one of the coolest feelings ever and um i've always found it the reason i've always liked going to these conventions is not only because it's awesome to like meet viewers uh and listeners who, who stop me while it's not like a super common thing it, it's an amazing feeling to like connect with those people but it's also really nice to break out of your confined creation place, whether it's an office, your bedroom, studio, wherever, and and to meet like-minded people who get it. Because, um, you know, we surround ourselves with a lot of creators, but in our real life, you know, people can only understand so much of what you do on a day-to-day basis and what better to share stories and experiences with and go, Oh my God, me too. than with someone else who, who's here for the same reasons more than likely. And so I, those are my fondest memories of like learning then and there. Oh wow. Like I'm not, you know, just the YouTuber here. You know, it's like th- there's so many others who are bigger and smaller and like, it's humbling in a way because everyone's on this equal playing field. Uh, and like I said, I, I just like, I like the connection there. That was, that was probably my most fond E3 memory character yeah mine funny enough i would i I wasn't gonna say this but he brought up the sony 299 the best next one had to be when they fucking thought that they were gonna sell everybody a ps3 at like 599 at the next (laughs) and they're like get another job and you're all wow what What? like did they actually say that yeah they said it later but it was completely quiet in the thing when they announced the price people were like the fuck is happening right now like there was there were people thinking it was a joke. It was hilarious. So it's it's this 
it's usually when a company gets cocky, right? That's usually what happens is you always get the cocky company. It was it was Microsoft with I think the Xbox One. I think you can Sega with mm-hmm. the with the Saturn and and those stupid price points. But yeah, that was funny as fuck to me because I find mm-hmm. things more funny. Or when the guy doing Call of Duty on Microsoft stage, the fucking goddamn controller stopped working and the uh... game kept playing. And he pretended to play the game because in real life he hadn't been playing the game from the very start. And I just yeah. find that shit. It's it's not his fault, right? Whoever's up there on the stage, but it gets you right in the fucking, mm-hmm. right in the like the nervous center when you see mm-hmm. a friend, you know that friend who says something wrong in a group of people, and everybody's yeah. like, oh. And, you're and then I gotta on. say, <laughs> this last E three with Sony, it was such a disaster no. that it was so interesting to watch. And hearing that guy was so stressed. You hear over the intercom, Sony's tried eight times to get their video to work, and you hear that guy in the background go don't you fucking tell me what to do on live TV. And I was like, yeah, I just exploded. I was laughing because I know that feeling. I know that feeling of, of shit not working. And then like the conversation afterward of dude, they heard that. Yeah. Dude. Oh, it was uncomfortable, but I love the goofy stuff. I never hold it against them. Uh... Um, I like the goofy shit that happens behind the scenes, the ponchos with Microsoft Mm. with the connect and they're all wearing their raincoats and they're like doing, and you're just like, this shit is so disturbing. I the love those Peggle moments. Announcement. The what? The Peggle 2 announcement. Peggle 2. Man, I don't yeah. remember that. What was that one? Yeah. So you have to look it up on YouTube. I can't do it justice by acting out. <laughs> like, really excited about it. And he's like, here we are, Peggle 2. And he like, oh, yeah. I remember like, that. Holy shit. It's making me get oh. feel weird thinking yeah, about I that. Yeah, I feel uncomfortable remembering it. Holy shit. Like, you know what that reminds wow. me of? Ridge Racer. Remember when he's like, Ridge Racer! Get, be excited! And everybody's like, not excited. And you, just, yeah. oh, and also, you read the you know audience what? wrong. One of the best E3 moments, hands down, was also when Square Enix revealed Final Fantasy VII just coming to the PS4. It wasn't the remake. Everyone had been asking for the remake, yep. and then they just... Did like there was everyone was watching Final Fantasy VII gameplay on the PS4 thing and like all right the transitions happen at any moment now it's it's happening any moment now we're gonna see like cloud and a new model and everything and like yep. there's like Final Fantasy VII coming to PS4 and everyone just dead fucking silence and, and like yeah the, they show the crowd shot afterwards and everyone just blank did face you guys see devastated this last <laughs> EA the EA one where they played the mobile game and they had the shoutcaster doing the mobile yeah. game for Command and Conquer and it kept happening and we were like. Please turn it off. Like, guys, somebody stop these people. And they were pretending to be excited about two people playing a mobile game mm, on the screen. Yeah. And that guy's like, he's decided to launch his missiles. And you're all, oh, please stop. Yeah. Please stop. It's so great, though. So I, I like those. Any That's of why those E3 can't go away. <laughs> no, no. And, and plus, we're going to have double A's and smaller companies finally get their day in the sun, which to me is yeah. is the best part of this E3. But Absolutely. Yeah, the, the goofy shit, Devolver Digital, they've made a thing out of it for the last two years with their goofy, yeah. uh, with their goofy conferences, too. So mm-hmm. I love that shit. Love it. 100%. Bearded Panda. I think we used one of his questions earlier. Did we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Yeah. He asked another one. Uh, what is that one movie you don't tell people you haven't watched because you know you're gonna go, you know you're gonna get that you haven't seen that response. Yeah. Right. So allow oh. me to answer this in all truth and honesty, as I always do here. Right, I don't watch it. a lot of movies, so this is the response I get to any fucking movie I haven't seen. Any movie, 
I've seen, you know, your share of Pixar, Marvel. I've seen, you know, your Disney's growing up. I've seen a good good amount of movies. I've seen your, your standalone independent films here and there. I've watched my Netflix shows, but I'm a... Not that you can't do both, but I'm like a gamer first and foremost. Like, I, if I have idle time, I could go watch a movie or I think I could play three hours of this game. That sounds better. And I go and do that every single time without a shadow of a doubt. It takes a lot for me to just sit down and watch TV. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. Uh, and, and so, quite literally, Bearded Panda, that is my fucking life. Every time my, my girlfriend has a list like of 40 movies long that we need to watch. Because every yeah. time we have a talk about a movie, I'm like, I haven't seen it. She's like, what? And yeah. there it goes, gets added to the list, and, and that's that's all she wrote. And we eventually watch it. That's that's how it's gone. That's how I've gradually caught up on movies. So you, you would say you don't have one, you have all movies then? Is that what you're, is that your Pretty much, because I, like I said, anytime it comes up, people like make a movie reference like, oh, it's this, well, actually, it's a, that wasn't a movie. I was going to say Burn Notice, but that was a show, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Burn Notice was a show. It'd be like, oh, it was that one time in... I've seen it, but we'll say the Lego movie where this happens. I'm just like, yeah, I haven't seen it, so I don't get it. And there's like, what? I'm like, yeah, why don't you make a game reference? I'd be, I'd be right on that shit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's where I'm at. What about you? Uh, because we do a segment on our show uh, called Movie Minutes, we watch a ton of movies. We, we try to watch as many as we can, old and new. Oh, boy. One, yeah, like uh, me and my wife are huge movie lovers, so we just do like a cool. warm-up podcast almost. But... Uh, the one movie that everybody tells me I need to see, but I refuse to, is uh, I Am Legend, honestly. I like and that I, movie. <laughs> I actually saw well, that. I refuse to because I know, spoiler alert, if you haven't, <clears throat> I know the dog dies, and I refuse to watch that scene. Like, I can't uh, sad. that, man. Especially because the, the dog, is, I know, is a friend. So I know the synopsis of the movie, but I refuse to see that scene. Um, but up until recently... It was Back to the Future. Like, I had not oh, seen yeah. Back to the Future. I haven't seen that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But my wife's like, again, your, yours was like, what? And same, same with my wife. She's like, what? And we immediately uh, started watching. And I was like, oh, I love this now. Mm. Um, for me, it's, uh, I can't even remember, uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, man. I'm not a Tarantino fan. I never have been. And okay. so... Um, I've watched a couple of his shows and liked the movies, but the director, you'll notice this with me. I'll like a movie or a game, but I usually don't track the director or the, yeah. like the creator. That's just sort of the way I've always been. But with, for whatever reason, with Tarantino in particular, his stuff felt samey. And mm-hmm. it was like Pulp Fiction came up, people were talking about it, and I could never, I could never force myself to watch it. I've tried like probably 30 times where I'll have it because I own it even. And I'll put it in, and I get like six minutes in, and I want to watch Boondock Saints. I know that sounds weird, but there's no, two movies that yeah. totally destroy that one. Way of the Gun, which is one of the best movies of all time, and, mm-hmm. then, and then Boondock Saints. And so whenever that comes on, I'll, I'll watch those instead. I'll be like, yeah. eh, I, I don't know why. I just, it just has not worked for me. I've had people explain it, and actually sounds like a cool story even, but I can't. I just can't get through those six minutes. I, I can totally get that. Yeah, there's something about his stuff that just doesn't doesn't resonate with me and i get shit for that all the time whenever i bring it up have you seen inglorious bastards yet yeah okay yeah i I believe that's a tarantino film it is it is i thought it was okay yeah yeah and that's the thing that was like outside of tarantino's realm it still felt like his flavoring almost but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like pulp fiction or um well dust till dawn was good even though you know that Mm -hmm. was sort of a mix of directors on that um film because that's what we do on my channel too is cover movies and so like we're always gathering together to watch movies 
um, mm-hmm. yeah, certainly have no issue with him normally. I just, I don't yeah, know, that, that one in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with me and Disney. Can't do Disney. I get that. Wait, Disney at all? I'm like just five like, years old, so I, I watch them. Like Disney, what, can you give me an example of what a Disney, what do you mean by Disney? Like, Disney uh, created. say again? Disney created. Like, it, like Hercules, I didn't really fond ah, of. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so like, this, like I was seven years old, went to Disneyland, hated every minute of it. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So you must yeah, love uh, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's my, it's my game of choice for sure. Yeah, there you oh. go. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Disney. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Man, I don't I know what it is. It. I'll see a therapist about it, but. <laughs> <laughs> do what I do and don't give a shit. Yeah. Too, I, I never, I never sweat that stuff. Yeah. Uh, last question comes from HR Hodes fifteen eighteen. He's actually the one who contacted me that I was talking about on Patreon, who asked me how, what the hell he was doing and how he got into the Discord. He asks favorite character specific storyline in The Witcher Three. That is a callback because I have not played The Witcher Three in a while. I'd say there was a I don't know the name, and I can loosely describe it, but it's always a quest that stuck with me. It was where you were on Skellige, and you had, I think this baby was apparently cursed of this family. I and they were, that one. Dang. Yeah, and they were deciding what to do with this baby. And Bloody Baron. No, 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 because no, there's this one point that would just, that sounds like the start of Bloody Baron, but you're deciding what to do with this kid. And at one point in the quest line, you get, are presented with like four choices. And one of them is to take the kid and throw him in an oven. And mm-hmm. so. I think someone was like coming to grab him from Geralt and I don't know if you like pass him off to someone, you give it to that yeah. person who's coming towards you. You just quote, you have a choice. get rid of him. So like, oh, yeah. And I, I threw him in the oven. Cause I was just like, no way. Like there's like that rule in video games where you just can't kill kids or babies. Yeah. Like, right. You can't do it. I was like, so what happens? I click it. Cause that's just the beauty of games that I throw him in there. And like, long story short, like everything ends up okay. And that was like the right choice to make. And mm-hmm. that question just always stuck with me. Cause I was like, wow, that was, as good as anything in the main story and it was it was so i remember like when i saw the choice like i was sitting like this and like i just i like kicked forward like i I was like oh shit like this just ramped up really hard like i have the choice to put him in an oven and you like shoot your uh agni or whatever it's called i think at the oven to like heat it and like present as if he was set on fire or something like that i just thought that was really powerful because it presented to you uh an illusion of what was apparently happening when something very different was going on behind the scenes. It, it felt like a, a world was happening around the quest too. It was, it was interesting. So that's probably yeah. my favorite. That always comes to mind when I think of the Witcher three. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the exact same thing. I actually never finished the Witcher three and I know that's a Cardinal sin, mm-hmm. but that, yeah. I, well, it's just like, I think time... the side content's good enough to justify. Yeah. You know, you've uh, played it. Yeah, it was just the it was just the time investment that I saw in it, and I was just like, I just want to play other games, and I just like lost track of it. But that that one uh, where you had the baby in the oven, because I thought the same thing. Like, there's no way, mm-hmm. there's no. This is just. But yeah, no, like that that really stuck with me. I think All it right. stuck with a lot of people, honestly. Interesting. I'm glad um, I'm not alone on that. I thought it was excellent. For mm-hmm. me, it was Bloody Baron for sure. Like that mm-hmm. character and the quest and trying to figure out what you were going to do. Best part like of the that. story. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, weird thing about Witcher 3, now having played it multiple times, I don't even remember, nor am I a huge fan of the quests overall, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. compared to everybody else who just was like, it's the greatest thing. 
I, which I get. It's just, it just what it didn't grab me as much as everybody else. But um, yeah. that particular one, I can tell obviously did because it stuck with me to the point to where when I did the walk in the walk, I talked about it. When I did the review, I talked about it. When I do podcast, it comes up. So to me, whatever was going on in that particular like part really spoke to me as a quest. Yeah. I really dug it. But 100%. it is funny to it is funny somebody asked just about Witcher Three because the number of people I know who haven't played Witcher Three is far higher than the people I know who have. Okay, so if better. if that had been in the like my like if I was doing that podcast and I would have asked, we would have probably heard a bunch of I never played Witcher Three or mm-hmm. I didn't like Witcher Three. Mm-hmm. It's interesting somebody focused that game so much because i don't know what it was about that title i would have to go back and replay it because i didn't find the quests um memorable yeah other than the one you guys are talking about mm-hmm. and the bloody baron character and a couple others i didn't like i don't know i also liked kira's quest line she was like a romance option but like she could yeah. totally work you over um i thought that was really good but i mean I, do you I... remember a quest from it like or and I, what i'm saying is in witcher 3 if you remove these two do you remember very many quests in Witcher 3? Because I actually don't. See, it's it's interesting. Uh, when I played The Witcher, I have always been transparent about it. I think it's a fantastic RPG, easily one of the best our generation has to offer. And I recall a lot of my experience, and I think this is a testament to how strong it is, because I played it for a month. Then Batman Arkham Knight came out. I dropped every game to play that because I love the Arkham series. I almost got 100% achievement or trophies on that. Yeah dropped it, played Rocket League, and then in August came back to The Witcher and finished it and enjoyed it just as much and remember both the start and the finish along with a lot of questing experiences and its world. And I played that in probably the most disjointed way you could. I played a lot of different shit in between, but it's not like I never wanted to go back. It's not like I dropped it out of disinterest. I just wanted to play other stuff that was appealing to me, which is normal. But I, I think... I, I think that's a testament to how good it is because, you know, Carrick, you and I have talked about in review discussions how while it's, it's very it's not a tangible thing, it, you sometimes know how impactful something is because it just sticks with you. You just think about it. It's like yeah. we're called in conversation. You there's something about it that if it's coming up, if I remember it, then there's something good about it. And then you decide, dissect from there like, OK, why? Yeah. Why do I remember this? What was mm-hmm. impactful there? What was the trigger that, in, you know, with Adam and I we were talking about throwing him in the oven? You're like, no. That can't be an option. That you can't just do that to a kid, a baby. Uh, there was something just crazy about that, and I think that was the trigger that made the whole before and after stick with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense for sure. So, and, yeah, certainly a good game. Not not dissing on it. Right just on. For whatever oh, yeah. reason, I think sometimes for me it's also the fiction itself. Yeah, like yeah. I, if I it's have trouble sometimes. Asian inspired, maybe I have a little bit of the easier time. If it's like Viking, then it might be this way. You like the and theirs is like Russian mixed with, you know, old, you know, it's got these Medieval weird fantasy, mythologies. Yeah, yeah, and I think sometimes that doesn't trigger as quick as let's say Kotor, where mm-hmm. for whatever reason I'm such a big Kotor fan that my brain is memorizing every single thing as I go through it. Right. It's very Skyrim can't tell you a thing about any of those quests, <laughs> dude. It's just yeah, the world. Thing. Skyrim's just the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At I, least for me. I, I think I got somebody bred once. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> all right. That will conclude, I think, our longest episode of the year. Adam, I appreciate it you giving good. us all of your time and then some for this episode of the Ham Radio Podcast. Yeah, it was Podcast. a blast. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is just a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad you had a good time. And if you want to check out Adam, I'll have a link to his channel 
in the description down below so you guys can give him and his podcast a listen. Great guy and clearly great stuff based off his opinions and discourse throughout our show. Um, we'd love for you to join us on all of our Patreons, which will be linked down below. And we will catch you guys in next week's episode where it will be Carrick and I doing some E3 predictions because that will be the yeah, weekend be before crazy. all the matches. Yes, that will be fun. Provided not everything leaks before then, <laughs> right? Oh, true. Yeah, so we'll see. Anyway, yeah. thank you guys so much for spending your time with us on this Sunday, Friday, maybe Saturday, or later into the week. Who knows? And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace out. Peace out. out. Yeah.